Hey there, Gary. This is Inyash. Hey, Inyash. This is Steven. Steven, you're not Gary. No, but Gary was the population of Vault 108 in Fallout 3. Oh, they were all Gary and Gary clones. And they'd gone insane. And uh, granted, Doris isn't insane. She's just the worst. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but it reminded me of that. So, yeah. Good name choice. So what is it that we do here at this podcast? We, at this podcast, titled Not Everything is a Clue, discuss Alexander Whale's sub-serial Worth the Candle, available on audiobook and ebook near you. Yes, we have links in the show notes. You guys should check it out. Uh, well, obviously, you have checked it out if you're still listening to us. But uh, you guys, if you haven't bought it, should buy it to toss Alexander Whale some money in recognition. You can also do that at his Patreon, which we have linked. Or if you would like to support us, we have a Patreon as well, uh, which is also linked. And we would appreciate that very much. Well said. All right. Well, with that, uh, let's jump into a few notes we have before we start. Uh, from the audience, then, Gadbibi on the Reddit, which is actually mm-hmm. the Discord name of Gadbibi. I think that uh, I think that they probably really enjoy that we have to clarify that every time, because I know that's on purpose. Freaking trolls, man. Delightful. Yes. Uh, says that building on the Arab as therapy theory, how about Arab as criminal rehabilitation? Uh, for June Smith, the murderer. Consider <laughs> chapter 188. You were a middling student until the age of 17 when you assaulted another boy. Following a short trial where you pleaded guilty, you were put into prison with a term of three months, after which you would have been released in time to take senior year of school. Instead, you acted belligerent in prison, racked up infractions, including more fights, which culminated in you killing another inmate. This happened to the original June, not just Arab June. As for how Arab deals with that... Uh, So this is all to rehabilitate the original June who actually had the exact same thing happen to him. Uh, As for how Arab deals with that, June, as we meet him, seems to enjoy violence. And whilst he tries for pacifism, that's a matter of him rationalizing and complying with a moral framework. His choices to avoid violence aren't aligned with his intrinsic emotional desire to punch Christians, etc. The game starts by really pushing June into simple video game violence. But as time goes on, his enemies get more and more humanized, and the consequences of June's violence are more apparent and more complicated. In the more recent chapters, his motivations are being specifically explored by trusted friends. Uh, I love this because this is the kind of galaxy brain shit that we go for all the time. Uh, if he like had had his mind changed before he entered Arab so that he didn't know he killed someone in real Earth uh as well then this would this all lines up perfectly yeah i like it especially as far as galaxy brain ideas go um you know raven in particular is consistently pushing for compassion and at at some point in my notes i was wondering if she might be the the secret dmpc you know the one person that knew uther you know i don't know um i i like the idea it's fun i don't know like it seems a bit uh kind of like overly convoluted for a, a way to punish slash reform somebody. But you could say the same thing about this being therapy too, right? Um, yeah. The only thing is like, it starts off with him being put in life or death situations with people that aren't willing to negotiate. And if you're trying to train somebody to like not kill people, forcing them to kill people, kill in self-defense is probably not how I would start. Um, you know, me neither, but we are not far future super intelligent people that know everything about how human psychology works and how to best hack it to turn someone from a murderer to a not murderer. And that's assuming that's even the goal. If this is punishment um, rather than uh, whatever um, reformation, what, what do you call it? Restitution. No, wait, restitution. Uh, no, it's reformation. Yeah. Uh, rehabilitation. rehabilitation. That's the one okay. I was looking for. Uh, if it's, if it's 
not rehabilitation, but is instead retribution, then they could just be trying to make him feel bad. In which case, this is actually a good way to go about doing it, right? No. You, you get I him to kill a lot of people, and then you uh-huh. start making him feel really bad about killing those people. Oh, yeah, I I guess. If your goal I mean, is to hurt part, their feelings, right? Yeah, but for the most part, he's having an awesome time. He's insanely powerful, and he has hot chicks falling all over themselves for him. Like, he this is not that. a good punishment. He had, he, has one, he had one chick who was super into him, and she's dead. <laughs> like... <laughs> all right but he's got he's got amaryllis who's kind of into him and he could have had valencia yeah i suppose but you know so far things are lining up for tragedy um mm. i again I, I don't think that this is a punishment for murder um but if it was that that'd be my thinking that yeah sure we're going to set things up he's going to get all the loved ones and best friends he wants and they're all going to be you know brute, savagely murdered right yeah um, and then you know somebody like a reverse June will kill Amaryllis and just be like, yeah, look, she was bad. And I, look at how awesome I am. And like, give a, a quippy one liner as he cuts her head off. Oh uh, shit. That'd just be a good kind of dark mirror to, to June. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know if that's where, I don't think that's where we're going, but it would be fun. It might be. You never know. Uh, Gadby B ends with June. Isn't quite getting it yet. Of course, to paraphrase his conversation with Raven, Raven, I'm worried about your attitude to killing people. June. Oh, that? Have you been keeping count? I haven't. They're like tiny little flies. By the way, I used to think I was a sociopath, but I'm sure I am not. I like flies, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's... I mean, I guess that's... It, it's a funny paraphrase. It could be true in certain lights. It's an uncharitable paraphrasing, but it's the kind of, the kind of way that you would summarize it if you were one of June's enemies, for sure. <laughs> it's not completely wrong. It's, you know, you, I think if you look at it a certain way, you can see that. Yeah, sure. I, I can dig it. <laughs> cool. Well, have you been feeling blue enough by our conversation about June being punished? Yeah, let's uh, let's keep the vibe rolling. Cool. That brings us to chapter 200, Feeling Blue. High five on the segue, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, my, uh, I met a commentary for the episode. I'm, I'm recovering from a fun vacation and a hellish trip to get home. And that was like two days ago, but I'm still tired. So I'm trying to get my brain in gear. But I think we can knock this out, so... Um, what time was it that they they finally got your flight going back? <laughs> All right, uh, we're supposed to leave at four forty five. Uh, it was canceled out of nowhere. We got on a plane at six fifty. Um, we were handed the tickets at six, and so it's a quick run through security get to the get to the plane. That plane went to San Diego first from Vegas, and then we sat on the same plane. Uh, me, my wife, and one other person who was on the same kind of like get me to Denver, please uh, situation as us. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know we're, we're like in San Diego in the, in the, on the plane for 20, 30 minutes. And then it takes right off and goes right back to Denver, which was like an hour and 45. We landed around midnight, but baggage claim took like almost two hours. What the uh, fuck? I, How? The best guess is that there was no one to unload the bags. Uh, wow. and the machine had some malfunction, but I don't know if that was just them making a show of like. Oh, it was the machine's fault. It's not that they were radically unemployed. So we didn't get home until like two. And, it, you know, a lot of traveling is just sitting, but it's exhausting. So, yeah. Uh, but, you, it know, was, it the, was, you know, we got home. It was a, now it's a good story. So yeah. even at the time, baggage, it was kind of funny. Yeah. Baggage check is always such a crapshoot that I don't think I've checked my bags in. God, I don't know. I've got I've taken at least eight flights now without having checked bags. That's baller. Especially because you went to Hawaii for two weeks and you yeah. didn't check a bag. Uh, no, I mean they let you carry on a bag, and then oh, they let you carry on a backpack as well. That's a good point. I just, uh, I've got, an, I bought a nice bed last year. That was like my 
awesome big expense. I bought a purple mattress. I bring this up because it's ruined travel for me. Nothing compares to my nice expensive mattress and my expensive pillow that goes with it. So if I can, I do pack a less good than my than my awesome memory foam pillow into my bag uh, to try and add some level of comfort when I travel. So the little carry-on bags aren't quite big enough. I should just get a travel-sized memory foam pillow. Yeah, you might have to check bags if you do do that because... Uh, part of you know part of not having to check bags is just bring the absolute bare minimum stuff that you really need yeah like a pillow <laughs> i'm leaving the mattress no that's darn good point all right we are uh feeling blue because they are they've got an eye on the end game um they know that fell seed's involved but they don't really give one shit about fell seed um uh, they're more concerned with uh finding uther there um mm-hmm. crack points out that they need bethel and uh, i think emerilis is like we'll also need val um, the only thing there to point out is that a bunch of my notes for like the first three quarters of this chapter were me being super bamboozled about this like portal that they kept talking about mm-hmm. in the Felsiate exclusion zone. And yeah. I could have sworn this was a, a schlost thing where like they just all knew about this and it had never been mentioned before. Mm. Um, I, I, I was feeling so ghastly by my memory that I just finally went back and I think... I don't know what I searched for, but I found the chapter where they were talking about where Uther went. Oh, I know what I looked for. I looked for the word apple. Apple? Because apple? when uh, June was talking to Raven about uh, Uther's avoid detection and Tad, he talked about how like you can't see the apple, but you can see the reflection on the paper from the apple. Hmm. I just remembered that oh, example. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I knew if I knew, I knew if I searched for Felsey, I'd probably find something I didn't want to see. So um, hmm. anyway, the, the line here was uh, Raven saying, There was a dimensional survey of the exclusion zone from a distance looking primarily for infernal influence. What they found instead was a tunnel leading somewhere else. And June says, where? And Raven says, they never found out. So they did talk about this portal before. I had no memory of it. And yet I remembered the fucking fruit that that, June (laughs) used in his example about the Entad. Um, I had totally forgotten the fruit, but didn't we talk about it at the time that maybe it was a portal back to Earth? Yes, I remember that <laughs> okay. after I found it. Um, but like this, this I, I bring this up because for the handful of people who, who read my notes, they'll see me uh, scratching my head over this for a long time. Although I think I put that um, that quote at the top of the notes that I said that I sent to you to put on the page. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right. Long story short, they're going to go find Felseed, but they got shit to do first. Uh, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, um, I, I, the portal was, or the tunnel was not focused on that much. And I also was still of the opinion that like, maybe Uther is Felseed or something. I'm not necessarily sure that he's in that tunnels. And the fact that they were all so very convinced that Uther is in this tunnel right now came as a little bit of a surprise to me too. I think when I first read this. Okay, good. It wasn't just me. Yeah. They talked about it like it's a four, like it was an understood conclusion. But I remember yeah, all like this the, like hand wringing about like is he maybe fell seed? I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like no, if you guys are sure he's in this tunnel or that this tunnel at least exists, sure it's possible he went to the fell seed exclusion zone that happens to contain this tunnel that goes to who knows where, and he's just there fucking his thousand brides. Um, mm-hmm. But I, it seems like if he's there, it's probably for this mystery tunnel, right? Yeah. If, if there's one thing we know about Uther, it's that he, it's that he likes mystery holes. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was a sex joke. Nope. He just he, okay. he spent a month jumping into one. He did. Yes, that's true. I'm not sure if that's a sex joke. Also not a sex joke. <laughs> okay. I know. When I make a sex uh, joke, but... you'll know it, sir. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, yes, so they are talking about the endgame, which involves Felseed and Uther and uh, what happens after that. And June is thinking that if it had been his campaign, then after everything was wrapped up with Uther, that's when he would ask the players if they were interested in running more stuff in that world or if they just wanted like an epilogue session or maybe not even that, just an email saying, hey, this is what happens for the rest of the world after you've saved it. Uh, So it seems... Well, go ahead. So you, you have a comment here before I continue. Yeah, I, I pulled that out. And I was just thinking that for him, you know, for June in the story to, to tell us that in this story, it seems like he might just be telling us how the book's going to end. Um, mm. We're, we're going to find Uther. We're going to get some resolution. And then we're going to get like, I don't know if it would be, uh, we're, we're not going to get an email per se, but we might get just <laughs> a uh, an epilogue that explains. And here's what happened afterward. So that could be that. I don't know. It's just in a story this meta, if he's talking about how he would wrap up a story, it it just drew my attention. Yeah. He does also say, however, and that really was what I wanted. I wanted to be done with things. Man, it I've been getting that feeling about June over the previous book or so. Uh, it kind of worries me about where the endgame of the story is going to take us. Because when your protagonist starts getting burned out and worn down and crushed under the pressure of everything, oftentimes that leads to a tragic ending in a book. Oh, man. I, you know, that's that's one benefit of being basically illiterate like myself is that I don't have enough to form trends on how things, you know, tend to go. Um, Mm. But of course, Wales does. And he knows that. And this is a subvert expectations kind of book. So, like, I really can't read into that kind of uh, if I had that sort of. Um, if I had those priors, I wouldn't be able to read into them, right? Yeah. Um, it's the bummer is like, you know, he just, like you said, he, he's getting ground down. He seems kind of just put out, you know, he, he just, what his words, uh, and that really was what I wanted. I wanted things, I wanted to be done with things. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's just, he's over it, you know? And uh, that's, you know, what about the good old days of, you know, when was it fun? Like, day one and two when he was shooting zombies like (laughs) i I mean i think it was it was definitely fun through the unicorn chapters it was probably fun up through valencia or a little bit longer yeah and i mean there's been highlights and stuff but i think a lot of it has just been now at this point it's like psychological wear and tear um yeah and i he must know this too that like when he says i want to be done with things like if his story is anything like Uther's, he can't just, he'll never be able to just put his feet up and live out his days, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You'll have to go down an interdimensional tunnel wearing the entad of non-detection or something. Or become the DM, in which case, like, you're, you've are you got a lot of busy work ahead of you. Mm, yeah. It's, uh, if and if he's, I also don't want my, my god king of the universe to be worn out and sick of doing stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if this is like what old people feel like, like it's just not fun anymore and it's time to let things be over. I don't, I don't know. I kind of get the feeling that's how it is for some old people at least. And I don't know. I, I hope there's a way to stop the onset of that. Um, I think a, you're probably partly right that some old people feel that way, at least somewhat. Right. Um, that's why chronics is a hard sell for old people. Cause they're like, well, I don't want to feel tired and achy forever. Like I've been tired and achy for 30 years. Um, yeah. It's like, no, but but you would be more like when you were in your 20s, you know, or 30s, maybe. Yeah, but it's hard to remember that because it was, you know, so long ago. But the, yeah. uh, you know, the other side of that, and this is, this works for me so far, is, you know, um, if if that's, it, old is a mindset, right? 
Mm-hmm. You know, yes, meat suits get old, but it's also like, okay, well, I part of being old is that means I can't, you know, laugh or go pet puppies or whatever, right? Because that's just a kid thing to do. And so that just do like what I do and shit. just never grow up, you know? Yeah. Play video games, you know, leave a restaurant to go pet a dog. Like, you know, Aww. just, uh, I, I remember it was like my first week at my uh, first software job. We were out, I was out to lunch with my team and, and there was a cute dog going by and I went out to go pet it. Like, you know, I don't, I don't constantly run out of restaurants. There, there was some way where this wasn't me just like leaving the table. We were waiting or something, but they tried to give me shit about it. And I was like, you're not going to successfully make me feel stupid about this. I got to pet a puppy. You guys didn't get to pet a puppy. Like <laughs> I'm, yeah. I win here. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just uh, say no to the maturity slash, um, resignation stuff that seems so popular with old people god damn straight laugh at dumb jokes watch watch bad movies yeah read uh you know uh rational fiction about a video game character right <laughs> yeah best way to live uh do a podcast about it with one of your friends fuck yeah uh he does bring up the anthropic principle says maybe there are other worlds where i'm dead uh per our rules since this was a uh, rationalist talking point thingy we have to drink now I did just take a sip uh, of sake for it, so. Ooh, excellent. Nice. Ooh, I got to get me some sake next time we record. Sounds wonderful. That said, mm. Anthropic Principle goes back before the rationalism days, or rationality yes. days. Oh, yes, quite a bit. But it's it's also like every rationalist would, would recognize this immediately. And it's not like there haven't been other shout outs uh, all throughout this novel. No, that's a good point. And it's a, it's a talking point in the community. It doesn't mean that like the community owns it, so. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. even close. There's. Lots of things that the branches community just sort of adopted from the the you know and, ma- and just made cool or made made more mainstream, made popular, etc. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I was thinking about this, and I guess you know there could be safe states uh, of the game where he's died, but then it kind of makes the idea that he has to worry about failing pointless because the DM keeps telling him that it is possible for him to fail, but if every time he fails, like just a save game is taken, and then. It goes back to before that, and we get a a world where he hasn't died. That that doesn't feel like it's actually possible for him to fail. So I'm I'm bet- betting that there aren't other worlds where he's dead. The only way I can see that is if when he whatever achieves true enlightenment, he can zoom out and see the multiverse of all the save files, and there are you know seventy five Junes being tortured for eternity in Ooh. parallel uh, simulations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and him it, being unable to rescue them. I mean, depends if you if you're in charge of the whole works, you get to do whatever you want, maybe. But just knowing that they were there being tortured, um, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I it certainly seems like uh, you know. I think that he yeah he used the idea of like playing Russian roulette or something, right? Or no, flipping a coin. But same same yes. thing. And yeah. I spent a while tossing this idea around in my head before I learned that it had a name. And I think it's uh, quantum immortality. Yeah. Right. Well, I, what's annoying is that like if I'd known to Google that, I could have saved myself like two years of backburner thinking on this. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I'm like you know but I, I you, feel like I've almost you, died a few times and I haven't and I so far I've never died. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, that that's sort of what he was tossing around here. But you would have lost two years of really fun thinking about quantum, quantum immortality stuff. That's true. I got to independently think of something. There we go. Um, all right. So here, here's a here's a fun one. Uh, Captain Blue in the Bottle had a dumb name, and if my experience was with Onion was any indicator, that meant he was ungodly powerful. <laughs> Yes. Do you, do you know, there might be something to this heuristic, but I was thinking that even if, you know, uh, the captain's name was Doombringer, the Undying Lich King, he'd probably still be powerful. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't know what name he could have that would make him not scary. You know, unicorn McBubble gum would <laughs> make me sure I was going to die in the most painful way imaginable. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is like, you can be kind of a lame and have the name Doombringer, but if you are a complete badass, then it doesn't matter what your name is. People are going to know your name and know to fear it because of how badass you are. So you can have a dumb name and, uh, it suddenly becomes like a cool counter-signaling thing. That's a good point. Let's be real. June Smith is not a name that strikes fear into the hearts of many, right? Well, it does now. It, it does now through reputation, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, just makes me think of Coral, which you delivered so well, but there's a reason they're afraid to say my name, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, it, 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 he's going to be the, the thing that they whisper about. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Captain, Bo- Captain Blue in the Bottle hadn't been born Captain Blue in the Bottle, obviously, since most babies don't have a rank. <laughs> I love that most qualifier. I know, right? He was only <laughs> Private Blue in the Bottle back then. <laughs> yes. He had to work his way up. So we, we learned part, right. We learned part of the horror of, you know, what's going on in this. Oh, wait, quick question. Yeah. Um, the Necromancy Exclusion Zone, is that the Risen Lands? Does that encompass the Risen Lands as well? No, uh, I was a little bit confused about that as well, but it becomes, i at least I thought it was really apparent here that they are two very different types of undead raising, and one of the reasons that they don't call those undead in uh, in the Risen Lands uh, zombies oh. is because zombies are only for Captain Blue and the Bottles undeads. So I get it. You, you can call these Risen dead uh, uh, zombies... Mm-hmm. Uh, but to insinuate that the zombies in the risen land, or excuse me, that the undead in the risen land are zombies would be like, no, 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 those aren't suffering people, you know, in, in shells, right? Th- yeah. Those are just, uh, those are just meat suits trying to eat you. Yes. Okay, There's a big okay. difference. So that's also- awesome. That's a really cool way to, and now I get why that taboo is so strong. Yeah. Cause it might not be okay to kill, um, zombies. Well, it and sounds like there's, yeah. And like the fact that like they're there just as a punishment thing for criminals. And it's like, that'd be a horrifying thing to do if the people inside, if there were people inside those, uh, undead. Yeah. And it's not just that there's people inside them locked in their bodies. It, it turns out that a, like a zombie set to knitting wears away their joints until bone rubs against bone and the outer layers of skin are removed by abrasion and the nerves are rubbing directly against the needles. It's fucked up because the two of us can imagine how bad this is, but it is the most goddamn annoying thing. These fucking nerves. We both have this thing uh, in our lower back where we got um, the, the, uh, the disc. Uh, what are those discs called? I'm seeing them called uh, spinal discs on her on Wikipedia too. Okay. Yeah. Just spinal discs. Anyways, um, ours are bulging and kind of just pushing on a nerve that goes nearby them. And I think this is fucking bullshit. The nerve doesn't have nerve endings there or whatever. Like, it's just it's just something kind of pushing on it, right? That shouldn't be that big a deal. It should be, like, maybe a little uncomfortable. But it just sends shooting pain, like, down your leg. It is awful shit. It really annoys me that just a little nerve getting pushed on can have these consequences. When I'm like, there's nothing wrong. My flesh isn't torn. I'm not in danger of dying or anything. I, I don't even really have really inflammation. What is wrong with your body? My body's just like, ah, my nerves being touched. I'm freaking out. It's a very annoying misfire. And uh, I, I really hate it. But that's what we got just from like having some pressure on our nerves. Like I can't imagine having fucking nerves directly being warning, worn against needles. It's, ugh. yeah, I, uh, 
it's annoying that there's no way just to tell your body or tell, you know, you know your, yeah. your back doesn't hurt. Your brain is telling you in quotes mm-hmm. that your back hurts. Yeah. You know, it'd be nice if the, if the other part of your brain that says, thanks, I acknowledge could just send a signal <laughs> back and say, okay, you can stop telling me. I, I hear you. I'll be careful. Yeah. Right. Uh, there, there's no actual problem there. Stop. Stop yelling at me with pain signals. Right. You know, or like you, you bang your toe on something and it hurts for like 10 minutes, but it only needs to hurt for a second. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Stupid fucking things. Um, Like I imagine these souls are probably completely insane from pain by the time they finally die and get bottled. I sure hope so. It hadn't occurred to me that souls could go insane. I hadn't like put the question to myself uh, about their mental state. You know, I assumed that they were experiencing pain whatever that was but i i don't know if like the soul can actually just ravage itself right um well, or get, I mean, t- you... get tied in knots so much maybe the soul is in I, I, what i imagine is the soul is intact enough for it to be super painful right but if you're in such you know constant pain that you can't think like i mean maybe that's not like insanity by whatever definition but seems like functional insanity to me right on earth sure uh yeah i mean their their brains would be overloaded you know but there's a difference between their um their mind their brain and their soul right on air because magic (sighs) i i guess so i assumed that the soul was a lot like the mind i mean i suppose i guess the soul is distinct from the brain and the brain is what gets overloaded right yeah but like the 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 overloading of the brain is what would cause people to go insane, and that would be reflected in the soul, right? Probably. Because the soul is where all the skills and, and attributes and shit are. Yeah, you're probably right. And I hope you're right, because yeah. otherwise they're they're semi-sapient and they're, uh, they're aware of how much pain they're in, rather than the pain just existing. Um, well, I think insane people are still aware of the pain. I guess I, I'm, I'm not sure how... I, I want them to be just completely, you know functionally dead right oh yeah that, that would be great i don't think being insane makes you functionally dead i think you still feel the pain no i guess i was just thinking like uh again like quarrel when he was saying that he was after he had died he was like i decided i wasn't going to go insane when he's sitting there you know oh. on the voyager <laughs> spacecraft now it's yeah. not clear how successful he was or right. how far he had to go to insaneville anyway but um mm-hmm. the you know he, he's like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna try and keep my head basically right yeah um, these people just, uh, you know, no doubt many of them weren't volunteers. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, well, even if they were, I, well, we they get to, we, this we, was coming. we get to the ethics of it and it's great. So we can, yeah. we can keep going. Yeah. So, um, uh, Amaryllis apparently thinks that he is, uh, that Captain Blue in the bottle is right. And most people don't give a shit about where their stuff is made. That is why she assumed that he'd been, he had other business partners as well on the DL. Uh, I'm trying to think like what the purpose is of Captain Blue in the bottle here. And I think metaphor for capitalism, maybe like, I don't know. Are, are you think? insinuating that capitalism has downsides? <laughs> Every now and then maybe a tiny little bit of downside. We got, we got a commie over here. Um, oh man. It's interesting. It's definitely making a point on that, especially consumerism too. Um, mm. But these these people, like at least hell, is much more of a of a capitalism analogy to me than this because these people are just slaves. They they actually can't choose to quit working. Yeah. Whereas at the very least, the hell the hell spawn could you know they could choose to go home and be miserable, right? Just like everyone <laughs> everyone in a capitalist society could choose not to go to work and could choose to be homeless and, and hungry, right? Um, yeah. I mean that that's that's a choice 
you know, in quotes, but it's still a choice. Whereas the the zombies aren't even piloting themselves. So I guess, yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know, but it's definitely there for consumerism and we get to like a, a harder capitalist beat here in a second too. Yeah. It, it feels like it's supposed to be a metaphor for something, but we'll keep going here. It just, I thought it was kind of interesting that Amaryllis thought that, uh, thought that there were lots of people doing business with him and turned out there weren't any at all. Well, according uh, to the one guy that they talked to. I, I think he's telling the truth, especially because of how pissed off he was about the whole situation. Oh, see, I wasn't buying him. I, once it became clear that it wasn't him, I tossed everything he said out the window. Um, oh, it is. It is him, though, right? He just killed himself to, so he can come out of his phylactery a bit later? Yeah, see, I'm not clear exactly how he did it. Um, I, I've got a couple of guesses. And June, I think, mm-hmm. maybe he does say right out what he thought. For the, for the record, all my reading for this was done basically at airports. So... Um, but I, uh, what he says is that obviously you can't kill a lich. Uh, they just come out of their phylactery in one d ten days, and uh, this this is what happened here. He was like, "Oh, okay, fuck this, suiciding this meat suit so that uh, I can come back in a new meat suit in one to ten days." Sure, but that's that's uh, that's him injecting video game stuff into what he just observed, right? Um, okay, that's true. I guess it could have been like someone else playing the role of him, but. See, that's kind of what I thought. When, I when we get to the end and, and the, the body just drops dead, I thought that this was just one of his like best zombies and that he he was piloting this one or commanding it to pretend to be him. And he's actually just off somewhere safe. I mean, technically, that is the case because the soul of the lich is in the phylactery and it's just always inhabiting a body somewhere. So, I mean, yeah, that I think is exactly the case, but... What's the difference? As long as he's fully in control of the body and talking to you, then you're talking to him. Uh, what was the difference? What was I thinking of? Um, I guess, like, importantly, uh, it was they were still talking to Captain Blue in the bottle. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if if, they, if he was directly piloting the the zombie, whether or not he was actually him or not, that's one thing. I was thinking that this this uh, the zombie was coached, and if that's the case, oh. then they were talking to you know a press secretary. I'm not sure there's any zombie capable of like that sort of independent thinking. Well, it, it seems like he's, all the he's souls reached, are he's reached exclusion levels of zombieism. You know? Yeah. No. I. I. I mean, isn't that the thing that all the zombies like have souls that kind of help motor them along? But he's in control of all of them. I don't remember if he's in control or if he just tells them what to do. But you're right. He mm. does watch through their eyes, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which obviously means that there are probably just eyeballs everywhere. Yeah. Right. No, <laughs> just not, disembodied eyeballs. Why not? That's a good point. Because they, they don't need a body to keep living, obviously. Yeah. That would, you ooh, know. ooh, man. Kind of creepy and scary and cool. Super creepy and scary and cool. Um, yeah, it's, uh, oh, June had this thought about the capitalism beat. He says, not too many people, not too many people were fooled into thinking that becoming a walking corpse wasn't macabre and ghastly, but if it paid, well, people would do a lot of things if there's money attached. Uh, that does sound like capitalism, right? Uh, George Carlin had a joke about, I can't remember the whole sketch. His stuff doesn't lend itself to one-line summaries, but something like of, you know, well, I'll take a little radiation if I can get a job, you know? Yeah. And so uh, June's not far off, I think, with that assessment. Well, no, I mean, that's totally right. But didn't we, weren't we talking about how in the many years ago, how stupid it was that uh, in the Harry Potter world, people wouldn't on their deathbeds uh do the 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 killing not the killing curse the unbreakable um, vow unbreakable vow thing yeah give their life energy and all their magic over for a big lump sum payment to give to their kids as they died they could be 
you know, use their their death to power an unbreakable vow. Sure. So you know that that'd be kind of like this, right? I'm dying. Might as well get paid for it, and you can use my meat suit when it's all done. Well, okay, yeah. So that's the thing is, uh, um, I'm going to call him Captain Crunch because that's how he dresses, and it's Captain <laughs> Blue in the bottle is a lot of uh, syllables. Um, syllables. So, or we can just call him Captain. But yeah. the the captain probably sold this to the public as saying, "Oh no, of course, I just want your meat suit. Your soul will uh, go to um, oblivion slash salvation, right?" Yeah, yeah. So they didn't know what they were signing up for. Um, but now that the secret's out, uh, there are still people who come here, right? Like the the kid they talked to is a person is a living person. Well, the kid they talked to was born there. He doesn't weird? have much of a choice. Yeah, it sounds kind of like North Korea. Yeah, I mean, well, except for presumably he could walk out. But I guess if I was Captain Blue in the bottle, I'd have uh, a army of undead, you know, people guarding the borders. So yeah, it's probably very hard to walk out. And also, I'm assuming they, you know, got a lot of propaganda, brainwashing kind of thing going on, where people think, oh yeah, this is this is one of the best places to live anyway. That's so fucked. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's peak uncomfortable. Alexander Wales, uh, he can hit that nerve just spot on. Yeah. Ooh, is it maybe a metaphor for North Korea? Um, you know, that People doesn't strike me in- as half half uh that 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 yes, that's that sounds distinctly plausible to me too. Yeah. The people are very much um propagandized by the government, don't know what the rest of the world is like and uh, uh you know, exploited all for the the glory of this one dude who's an asshole and body doubles and stuff too, probably if you squint yeah yeah okay anyways uh june their their excuse for why they're coming in here and needing to meet with with the captain is that they uh they need to make cheap stuff uh component parts whatever get some uh unskilled labor going and june says so yeah we're gonna need factories in an ideal world all the labor would be done by if not the undead then at least people we could pay a pittance which would allow us to reserve the tongue for things that actually mattered like engineering, logistics, sales, that kind of thing. Uh, I was really surprised to hear that because he is a lot more frank and honest than most protagonists and most people even. Like very few people would say, yeah, I'm trying to get my lawn mode for a pittance, the cheapest possible so I can save my money for things I actually care about. Um, they, they would be like, oh no, I, I want to give an you know, honest living wage to someone even though they're still trying to find the cheapest lawn mower they possibly can. I don't know, it's... It was unusual seeing that level of um, honesty, I guess, and self-reflection in a protagonist. No, totally. It was very much like uh, Amaryllis is sinking into him a bit, right? Um, mm-hmm. What's funny, too, is this is a very long-term concern. And I liked that this contrasted with his, like, totally over it vibe. Mm, yeah, good call. Because, he's you know, he's got eyes on at least months, right? Mm-hmm. So... You know, if, if he's talking sales, this is going to be a year's project. Um, which, you know, in an ideal world, you know, yes, you would like uh, if you're trying to get a nation off the ground, um, having house elves who just love nothing more than banging your cars together, right? Yeah, uh, that'd be perfect. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that aside, all right, let's get some uh, whatever unskilled laborers or you know, kid volunteers who are doing it for like internships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, find some way to do it for cheap. So again, you could point out that there's so you can keep the the people that can actually do higher end stuff, like doing higher end stuff. And I I'm glad you realized that the to- that the that the tongue aren't the the people to fill that role of like okay, my job is to go dig the holes, and the other person's job is to put seeds in them, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like no, 
the ones that they've talked to are like college educated, right? Yeah. So they're they're not like kind of the dumb uh, level, like again, kind of house elf level obedient that I was hoping for. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so it's it was interesting though. I, I like that you pulled that out. Um, it, I, I had a question. This is a, a real life thing. So uh, June, when he's talking with Amarillo's about it. Amarillo seems convinced that there are people out there doing business with the captain and June's not buying it. Cause he's like, well, no, there's lots of examples where people uh, banded together in other circumstances so that they could stamp out um, bad business practices or at least shun what they saw as evil. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't think of one example of what the hell he's talking about. I know Have the idea heard- of like, I will personally boycott insert company name. But yeah. When has that ever worked? Have you not heard of slavery? Well, uh, sorry, what? I haven't heard of what? Um, no. uh, I, I suppose that's was, a good example. Um, yeah, it was a worldwide institution for all of human history. And then in the you know late Enlightenment period, people started to think this is a really bad idea. And like the last few places on Earth where it wasn't voluntarily abandoned, people invaded and stamped it out militarily. But the majority of the Earth gave it up voluntarily. And you know, the places that didn't did have it stamped out. Okay. I, well, good. I've got a, I got a real world example. I guess I was thinking of like, um, of individual products or companies. Um, but you're right. This is more of a, of an institution slash, um, business scheme than, uh, <laughs> um, you know, a brand of, of iPhone or something. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, there have been a lot of attempts to do this with some success, uh, with other things, prostitution is illegal in a lot of places drug use the war on drugs is you know rather famous it hasn't been fought very well but there are some places that have done a pretty good job of uh keeping it stamped out like singapore um there's a lot of times throughout history where people have decided that a a company or a product or something shouldn't exist despite the fact that other people want to pay for it okay I, I, I you took a bigger picture than i did and that answered the question really well i was thinking like like nestle you know Mm. The, the company's terrible. People hate them. They've got lots of good reasons for it. Uh, some individuals like to boycott them. It turns out they own everything. So it's like really hard to shop if you're not buying Nestle products. But even if you manage to do that, you're not doing anything to Nestle because they're too big. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of seeing it. I was looking at that level. Uh, but you're right. Some institutions and uh, products and services and goods are uh, uh, fit the bill perfectly. Okay, cool. I, I feel enlightened. And okay. I feel like I, I at least understand where June's coming from now. Yeah. So they they meet uh, the captain, and he has this whole rant about how zombie zombie suffering simply didn't matter in the grand scheme, and uh, that the fact that they're suffering would do nothing to stop sales of his products uh, because they were the cheapest ones, except for you know a few people who want to prove to the neighbors that they were fine, upstanding folk, and that the boycott isn't going to last. And the and the primary argument was that labor was suffering, and people have always accepted it. And it sounds real quick, kind of sounds like a uh, evil Robin Hansen. Yes. Yeah, it's hard to. Uh, um, it, it's really easy to read it in his voice, right? Yeah, yeah. I but mean, no the, one actually cares about anything. They're just boycotting to signal how great they are. And you know, labor's is suffering, etc. This this isn't quite the the plot of Age of M, but um, the idea that like, yeah, sure, life might not be great, but uh, you're gonna. It's it's doesn't mean it won't happen. Um, yeah. Like that—that's a very Hansonian way to frame it. I'm trying to think of a clever signaling joke, but 
basically he already hit it, which is like, you guys are just pretending to be outraged while you still buy my stuff because you want to look good to your neighbors. Right. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of anything yeah. like funny or clever to put there. So no. Yeah. He says that it's exactly as bad as everyone thinks. And I've known the whole time. And quite frankly, all my customers are complicit shitbags, and they're not going to change anything. <laughs> and then, uh, June comments. It was like if some earth companies, uh, some earth company had a history of abusive practices and wage theft, wage theft, and it was exposed. And the CEO responded, "How do you think we kept prices low? Maybe you're the real monsters for buying our products." <laughs> and uh, like at this point, I'm like, "Okay, so this is this really seems like it might be trying to be a capitalism metaphor here." This, this is Except, where it drilled home for me, I think. Yeah, but but then you know, uh, June acknowledges that it's kind of just cartoonishly evil, like it, w- which makes it not land. I think. Doesn't it? The fact that he's like, yes, this is literally absolute hell on earth, horrible torture. It's worse than some of the hells. And uh, you guys are all shit assholes because you want cheap products. You're just going to keep buying stuff anyway. Isn't that, is that not the mustache twirling tycoon capitalist cartoon that you can't even believe if you see it in a Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon because it's so out there? I mean, I think that the, the difference between this and the hells is that it's not like um, the rest of Arab is okay with the hells existing because they get something out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the implication here is that you know y'all know my factories were night my my uh, my factory floors were nightmare factories too, but mm-hmm. you guys wanted cheap stuff. Like quit quit trying to act like you're better than me. Uh, yeah. So they were they were they were getting something out of the deal instead of like just it existing and being a sad fact of nature. Um, yeah, but the the CEO or 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 Captain right here, he's he's cartoonishly evil. Like he's unbelievable in how evil he is, right? Um, like in he, a fantasy game, it might work, but it would be hard to find somebody then, in real life who didn't at least make noises to pretend they weren't that evil. You're right, but honestly, that makes me respect the guy. Uh, you know, it it may be cartoonish, but he's just going to own up to it. That's kind of like the fun little nuance with him is he's not trying to make like a you know a soft pitch of like, Oh no, you know, sure. It hurts for a little bit, but then it goes numb or anything. He's like, no, yeah, it fucking hurts all the time. And you know, so fucking what he he's, he's completely just gone over the, the, the deep end on it. Uh, I, well, yeah, I totally agree with you. It makes him kind of cool, but as a villain, but also it makes it not work as a capitalism metaphor, if that's what it was going for. So, so is it not actually a capitalism metaphor or is the DM an idiot? <laughs> or, or or is he commenting on how like idiotic some of june's early campaigns were when he was like i'm 14 and this is deep i mean i think that uh you know i i, I don't because i mean a lot of the news on what bad stuff businesses get up to is hard to find because they don't want you to find out right um yeah. so it's not like it's unavailable it's just you have to go look for it and i don't but you know i don't know who's still in charge of bp or whatever but i bet it's the same person who was in charge or at least the same board of directors that was in charge for the last several gigantic oil spills, right? I I have no clue. I mean, well, hypothetically, if it was, like, they they aren't going to come out and say, like, you know, we can do whatever we want. You guys are going to buy our shit, right? Then again, right. Putin basically did that with his, you know, he's the, I don't know if um, Europe is <laughs> yeah, still buying his oil. Too. Did they stop? Uh, they're moving in that direction. <laughs> so in three years, they'll stop buying his oil, or so they say, right? <laughs> right, um, yeah. So... He's, he's, I mean, if anything, maybe just Wales was five years ahead on, on the, you know, Putin going, going fucking 
crazy. Yeah. Although, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that, I mean, you're right. The oil is the big one. It's much easier to stop buying other things from Russia. And, uh, but Putin isn't up there saying, yes, I'm as evil as you all think I am. And you know what? You're going to do it anyway. That's uh, true. He's that, out there saying, oh, no, no, I'm being framed. There aren't any genocides anywhere. Right. Fake news. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's the big distinction. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm just not quite sure what I'm supposed to be getting out of this metaphor, or maybe I'm wrong and it's not a metaphor at all. I'm not going to let you not read this part of your note where it says, is worth the candle just trying to really open our eyes to just how bad we are? And Alexander Wales figured the only way he could do it was with an anvil. Um, <laughs> I mean, now that I'm looking back on it, I don't think that's even plausible. It's so ridiculous, right? Uh, Which is why I wasn't going to read it. I, I just like, I loved the phrasing. Uh, oh, okay. It, the, the, what you illustrated there was like, yes, it's an over the top metaphor, but we needed that to actually demonstrate the point. Um, mm. I, I liked, uh, you know, just saying, um, yeah, I, I, I liked the, the framing of hit it with an anvil. Right. Um, yeah. so yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't give a lot of thought into like, you know, I figured this guy might just be bad for the sake of bad. You know, it wasn't really clear what followers deal was either. You know, um, mm-hmm. he seemed to be just as bad as we all thought he was. He had probably modified himself in such a way where he didn't feel bad about being a bad person. And the first chance he got, he soul raped one of June's party uh, mm-hmm. before he, you know, they, 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 he, he destroyed any possibility of peaceful negotiation. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, Doris is, if she had the power would be this bad too. Right. She's just uh, um, hard to work with. Uh, yeah. So hard yeah. to work with that. She can't trust herself not to shoot herself in the back of the head when she's tying her shoes. Um, mm-hmm. The, I mean, this guy's over the top evil. And I think that that's what I was just focused on with it. Like he's got his hundreds of thousands of, of hostages that he's prepared to send to hell as a dead man's mm-hmm. switch, mm-hmm. Um, which there has to be a joke that June will regret not having made about a dead man's switch when it's zombies. Wow. Right. Right. Yep. So uh, this is gonna be one of those things like when Harry gets back from Azkaban and he's like, and I never once thought, and I promised Hermione I'd come back from lunch. Uh, <laughs> right. They're going to finish this whole thing up. And he's like, oh, I never said the phrase dead man switch. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that would he did be- and I missed it. Oh, well, if, if any of our listeners come up with a, what this is a med- supposed to be a metaphor for, there's link to the discord in our show notes. And also uh, we read the, the comments left on our main website as well. Anyways, Great discussion, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, as it turned out, people did care enough to boycott and embargo him. He was wrong about people, which cost him a lot. Um, and that that was one of the things that made me think that it can't just be Alexander Wales trying to hit us with an anvil with how bad we are, because like even he acknowledges in the text that people aren't that bad. And people who do think that people are that bad, like Captain Blue here, uh, have such a bad map of reality that they're hurting themselves. So like maybe... I, I was thinking about this for a while because it bothered me that I couldn't figure out quite what this is. Maybe Captain Blue is supposed to be more of a comment about like how completely blackpilled and cynical uh, it, it, being that way is dumb. And like edgelords who think that they're enlightened by realizing how everyone, how awful everyone is are actually just fucking idiots. And that would make a lot of sense to me because the story's about June and it sounds like June was a totally blackpilled edgelord during his darkest months. That's thinking everyone was awful and everything is awful and humanity's awful and n- nothing deserves to be around anyway. And showing him like Captain Blue in the bottle acting like he was during those times, I guess it could work as therapy. I don't know. It, it seems like it's, again, I think it seems too anvilicious to work, but 
it's it's a possibility of what he's the dm is trying to do here i like that um you know this is what happens when he turns cynicism when he turns cynicism up to 11 and you're a powerful individual and mm-hmm. would you look at that reality uh does better than you expected yeah and it fucks you over that's you know that's not a bad lesson to take away from it mm-hmm. um and if 500,000 people have to suffer for ages and ages to help teach doing that little lesson well <laughs> you know you know so goes yeah uh but yeah this then he has the part where i was saying i I think that he really doesn't have any other uh business partners because here's where he gets really angry saying that the exclusion robbed him of anathem the embargo wrapped him of his business he doesn't really have anything less left and how dare you suggest that i haven't been living with hardship it 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 struck me as the dude being a little nuts see i i i I picked up the nuts for oh man that came out wrong um (laughs) i I saw him as being completely crazy too. And it was awesome. But the thing Mm -hmm. is like, I couldn't tell how much of it was an act. And like, is he just, you know, acting indignant? Does he does, does he do this to everybody who comes in with a business proposal, you know, every four months or whatever? Um, I mean, if he published that, that screed saying, yeah, it's just as bad as everybody thinks. And you're all going to keep buying from me anyway. I, I get the feeling he's been that nuts from the beginning. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, it, his eyes were slightly wild, it says. Like, he can't believe this happened, right? Mm-hmm. So it'd be one mm-hmm. thing to be, like, cynical and surprised. But he's, like, he's cynical and just flabbergasted that that things shook out the way they did. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, he, that, it mean, make, makes him not just a, you know, edgelord uh, cynic. It makes him crazy. Uh, it's So, I don't know. I... I think you make a good point that this probably was the real him they're talking to. And he just, you know, jumped ship to go f- jumped ship as the captain. <laughs> oh man. Um, that, you know, that actually that's that in a story like this legitimately adds evidence to the idea that that was really him. They're talking to, uh, mm-hmm. cause then June can make a joke about him having jumped ship. Uh, <laughs> well then again, cause they, uh, they're going to go talk to the door and be like, where is he? And if they can, he's any one of those 500,000 people good luck right right but you know the where is he is basically the phylactery where is his soul that we can kill that thing so he can't jump around anymore oh yeah because the meat suit that he was trying to grab onto um he couldn't really get to the soul yeah that was the other reason i thought it was a zombie um but if it was just a uh a you know remotely piloted by his by captain blue then i guess that makes sense Mm -hmm. um I, I guess I just really liked the idea that this that this guy was just the person that Captain Blue shows to people who want to come in and talk to him. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this was the body double. Uh, but right. what do you need body doubles for if you can leave your body whenever, right? Yeah. Every, bo- every body is a body double. Yeah. It's, you know, this is, you know, Quirrell or Voldemort, whatever, Tom Riddle would have had body doubles before he had Horcruxes. Uh, yeah. But he's like, now I can just leave. Good luck, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he brings up an a thing I wanted to talk about. He says that he actually has a number of factories where every zombie did, in fact, give meaningful consent, knowing full well what the whole procedure entailed. Uh, and he says, you will insist that people cannot give meaningful consent to what amounts to torture, or that consent is not eternal in that way, and an argument made involving autonomy is effectively identical to selling oneself into a permanent slavery, which is similarly not allowed by the current regime. And I wanted to bring this up because... It brings up the argument that there's some things people should not be allowed to consent to, um, and or or perhaps that there's some things that no one should be allowed to ask someone else to consent to. But I'm not sure if those are different questions at all. 
Um, that's interesting. So someone, uh, they, they think there are different questions. Someone could volunteer for something that it might be immoral to ask of them. Like what? I, I, I guess I'm just at least able to draw a distinction between the kinds of things. Like, uh, you know, I never liked, and I know that like, I'm not an economist, don't at me, but mm-hmm. you know, let's go to a uh, part of the world where like water is really scarce and charge them, you know, out the ass for bottles of water and fuck it, sexual slavery for water too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or let, let's go to like a war torn nation and, you know, find a pretty refugee and say, hey, look, I, I'd be happy to rescue you and your kids, but I could have sex with you and your kids whenever I want. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's fucked up, right? And at that point, I think the government should step in and say, yes, you aren't allowed to engage in this business transaction. Um, I, well, that said, okay, so- I know I know the outcome is that that person stays in the war-torn area, gets fucked, or rather, mm-hmm. not literally fucked as in my hypothetical, but gets killed or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, there's some level where you can legislate morality. And I, and maybe I'm wrong. This isn't like a hill I'm ready to die on, but like, I, I wouldn't want to be friends with the kind of person who would ever do that. And so, you know, saying, well, we should let people do that. And it's like, but why? Then again, I know that that's the same kind of thing people say about prostitution, right? Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm kind of talking myself in a, uh, like weak like basically circle. You're here. saying people can't consent to sex under what circumstances if there's a war going on or no no i'm I'm saying that like you're you know all right i come to you your house is burning and you're like in a mm-hmm. whatever like paint the hypothetical to where it's like i show up i can save you and your kids um and but and i'll do it but conditional on these horrendous things that i really don't yeah. need from you but i'm insisting because i'm an asshole because yeah. I'm, I'm as cartoonishly evil as captain blue right right yeah like at that point i think that's fucked up and it you know, yes, you can consent in that. Yes, please just save me and my kids. But mm-hmm. after 400 years of being in their rape basement, you're kind of sick of it. Right. Yeah. Like it's, uh, well, you signed the paper said in perpetuity, you sure you didn't know I'd invent life extension technology for the purpose of doing this for, to you forever. But here we are. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the, that's the level of, uh, like, uh, I don't know. I, I think again, not, this isn't like an, an economy, economics yes thank you this isn't an economics point this is a uh a feelings point yeah and you know if that contrasts with economics 201 or whatever then whatever um Mm -hmm. at least i wouldn't do that right and i wouldn't want other people to do it yeah yeah but i don't know what point i was making uh Oh, oh, just about are there things people can consent to? Yeah. I mean, so take this real example, right? Mm-hmm. Is there some sum of money that someone could offer you and you actually understood what you're getting into mm-hmm. that you would take it for this? No. Right. And I mean, maybe that's because you're smarter than everybody who signed up for this. But <laughs> I, th- I think it's also just like that it informed consent is like a... Uh, um is a confusing yeah. subject, right? But let's let's assume the least convenient world where they are fully informed. Um yeah, I mean I if I was in charge of the empire, if I was Uther Pendrag, I wouldn't let I wouldn't let him do this, right? Yeah. I'd be like, "No, I'm big and strong and I'm not going to let you uh torture people forever, even if they said they're okay with it. Fuck you." Yeah, I I mean, yes, I I agree. In, in this case there there's you there probably are some things people shouldn't be allowed to consent to. I just I hate going down that road and that in general 
we should remember that this is a bad road to go down to because then you start doing things like not allowing people to consent to um, surgical procedures because they can't, you know, for whatever reason, can't consent to something like that, which I, I think is a lot of bullshit. Most adults should be able to consent to almost anything that they want to. And honestly, I think maybe consenting to some sort of indentured servitude isn't necessarily a bad idea. Sometimes seven years of, you know, slavery or whatever is a price you're willing to pay for getting some sort of good enough improvement of your life situation that you're no longer stuck in fucking, I don't know, Haiti or Ukraine while it's being attacked by the Russians or whatever. I think uh, indentured servitude is, is, I think there's a real case that can be made for that. Uh, historically, well, I mean, it worked out just, to just, uh, you know, slip into slavery. Yeah, um, that's just slavery, except with a time limit. And, you know, it's not full chattel slavery. You can't get like the person's kids or whatever. Right. Uh, but like that was that was the selling point for a lot of, of slaves in America was like, oh, no, you guys will just be indentured servants. And then it turned out you're going to be indentured for like 150 years, uh, you know, you and generations to come. So it wasn't like the seven years that they had agreed to or whatever. Right. Uh, sure. I, but then I think in that, that case, you're just kidnapping people and enslaving them. Right. I just and wanted to, it's not indentured servitude. I, I just wanted to make clear that I understood the historical context of why, what I'm about to say, which is that I think indentured servitude is fine. Um, mm-hmm. I brought up the, the historical context because historically it wasn't, it was fucked up because it went, it wasn't done. Uh, you know, the contracts weren't honored. Um, well, but it depends. Some societies they were, some weren't depends I, I, on where you were in yeah, yeah, the world. I'm talking us uh, through. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like, we, right now we can't consent to, um, selling or buying sex. We can't consent to selling our organs. There's a lot of things that we can't consent to, which I think we should be able to. That is weird. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I twisted my wheels on this for a while or spun the wheels on like, you know, luckily I've already got, someone has dibs on all my organs. So otherwise I would be wrestling with whether or not to donate like a kidney or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, interesting that i'm allowed to give it away but i can't sell it yeah and i i think the the reason for that is going to be the, the it's going to be the, uh, an extension of the same reasoning that i had about like why you can't go to um whatever sudan during uh, during the war and like buy slaves right um, because poor people might want to sell their organs for money right and like, it's, 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 sell- it's exploitative right uh, i mean poor people sell their lungs for money all the time we just don't call it that because they're coal mining. I know. No, no. I, 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 I'm not defending it. I'm saying I realize that that is an extension of the same kind of argument I'm making about not wanting to be able to, you know, buy sex slaves. Um, okay. Okay. And so I see that there's a contradiction there. I just don't quite know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a twisted, it's a twisty, confusing thing for me anyway. I'm sure someone has a well. The easiest answer is to like just let anyone buy whatever they want and sell whatever they want. Um, mm-hmm. But I. I feel like that gets you into some weird territory, um, but at least it's consistent and maybe uh, maybe that would be fine. You know, you know what I'm getting out of this? I think maybe the way I was looking at this is that we should allow people to consent to anything because otherwise you get on a slippery slope where we end up in places where you are not allowed to sell your organs or you're not allowed to uh, have sex for money or whatever. But the other way of looking at it is that we should limit uh, what people can consent to because otherwise you can slip into a place where you're uh, fucking Captain Blue in the bottle and people can consent to being tortured for a thousand years for, you know, a few dollars or whatever. And I guess I guess the thing to take away from this is that slippery slope arguments can be really fucking stupid and try not to make them because you know what? 
there are a few things that maybe people shouldn't be allowed to consent to, and we just got to do our best to fight hard to not end up on the stupid side of that, like when people aren't allowed to consent to selling their organs. Yeah. Um, I, like I think- maybe having a anyone consent to anything position like I was trying to hold to is kind of dumb, and you just can't have a principle on this because it's too nuanced that you got to fight for a, a line somewhere all the time. And but then of course the downside is like people are drawing lines in the wrong places, right? Like I can't sell my ability to give great hand jobs or something. Um, yeah. But it's, I mean, the other side of the takeaway is that some slopes actually are slippery, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it it's uh like yes, there's there there might be some bad consequences, but it's better than the alternatives. I don't know. It's weird. It's fun. It's thought provoking. Maybe that's what Alexander's going for here. Maybe yeah. it's not a deliberate metaphor. It's just making us think about this stuff. I had one other possible thought on this. Shall I touch on that real quick? Sure. Uh, I think it might be part of June's hang up with consent again that we have Captain Blue in the bottle because part of the Puritan upbringing is the idea that sex with men is defilement. And uh, at that point, it's sort of fair to ask, can anyone meaningfully consent to having sex with men? And uh, that could explain a whole lot of June's sex hangups. And that is, you know, sort of writ large in this uh, Captain Blue in the Bottle thing that maybe it might help June come to grips with that sort of thing. Um, well, if that's the intended goal, he's you know the DM is doing it wrong, right? Uh, it's like this is <laughs> well, what consent looks like. Look at these mass graves <laughs> full of conscious people. Uh, good, good point. Then he's going to the, the he's sending the opposite message. Yeah, but the other thing ah. that is just I don't know how much of your like because right June has has puritanical. Uh, whatever sexual hangups, but I don't know how much of it is like gendered about um, it. Cause this has come up a couple times in the past where it's like, Oh yeah, no, it's, you know, sex with men is gross. Like that's what, that's what's in the back of June's mind and stuff. But I don't know if that's ever been at the front of June's mind. And I don't know if, if you're reading something that I'm missing or if you're reading stuff into stuff that isn't actually in June. Right. Um, hey, like, man, not everything is a clue. Well, <laughs> um, you know, like he didn't, I don't think he had any problems with, with you know, he and uh, Fen, right? It's, I think his his only hangup really so far is with Amaryllis and his previous hangup with Maddie, who I think he had some understandable compunctions with, right? Yeah. It wasn't really the age gap. There was, there was a, to his mind, uh, an intellectual and um, development gap, right? Um, so just as someone who has had similar hangups to June in the past. Um, part of the attraction of someone like Fen is someone who very obviously does not have that sort of worry and doesn't feel like uh, sex with you is defilement, that instead sex is just great and fun and everyone should have it. And you can finally feel at ease around that kind of person. And uh, that's probably rare for June to find with anyone at all. And when he did find it with Fen, it's like, oh my God, god i can finally like be happy that's a good point she it was so like of a relaxed thing for her that it was impossible for him to be like stressed about it right yeah which is another reason they made such a great couple yeah they they had some good synergy she let him get over his shit she helped with some stuff yeah well yeah when when he was with her he was not bothered by that shit but yeah I, i'm just saying fen june is the one true pairing <laughs> hashtag team fen <laughs> exactly
Captain Blue continues ranting, says your politicians want someone they can publicly castigate. Labor abuses are rampant elsewhere in the empire, but they are cloaked and the result of poverty, exploitation, and carelessness. Uh, I was just wondering, like, does he have a point there? Because I think he's kind of overlooking the whole labor abuses aren't literally hellish torture because people who have those sorts of labor labor abuses are going to rebel or flee or something if they get to the point of actual literal torture. Um, But, but... The fact that I was thinking that, like, immediately made me think, he, he is really good at this whole whataboutism thing against targets that are already filled with, like, a bit of self-hatred. Because I was very quick to jump on the bandwagon, oh, he's right, we're just as bad. And it took a bit of thinking about it to convince me that maybe he's uh, wrong and stupid. And I, <laughs> I was wondering uh, how you felt about that. Did you have the same kind of immediate uh, thought of, oh, yeah, we are terrible? Or how did it go for you? I I didn't. I saw him as like justifying his evilness by pretending everyone is as bad as he is, right? Okay. Yeah. But at least he has the virtue of being honest about it. Um I'm I'm bummed or I'm I'm unhappy to hear that you have echoes of self-hate, but I am happy to hear that you conquered them by thinking about them. So, uh oh, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you said like this this is a a good this is a good what about is in target for people who are, who are full of self-hate. And then you're thinking, well, I agreed with him, which would imply that you're in that group. But then you said upon reflection, you realize that he's just crazy and wrong and stupid. So um, yeah, it, it takes some work, but nowadays at least I can get there and with quite a bit less work than it would have taken in the past. Good. Cause you're fucking awesome. And you shouldn't be the last person on earth to realize it. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, you, well, you betcha, man. Um, I was, uh, we're, we're wrapping up here. I wanted to find, um, let's see, uh, the, basically what happens is June asks him like, all right, let's, let's talk about the ethics of, of what's going on here. You know, I've read mm-hmm. three of your biographies and, you know, captain just sighs and he's like, okay, you bring up these points. I counter, you say this, I counter that yada, yada. Can we skip that? Or is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, mm-hmm. and June, rather than hit on any of those points, he's like, is the pain problem of pain really intractable? Like we can't uh, like fix it. Um, oh, and then that's actually where you pulled out that quote about the politicians and whatever. He's like, yeah, this is just how labor always is. And what it is, is June is trying to find some nuance in this guy. Right. Yeah. He's like, I, I, well, he says, I'd hope for more nuance. I'd hope you had some better <laughs> answers or that you'd tell some lies that make you look better. But no, there's just blame for others and unwarranted cynicism about the what the world is like. Uh, mixed with base selfishness and unwillingness to change. It's disappointing. And then he gets up and walks over like a Terminator. Yeah. And the guy pulls out a void pistol, which June slices through without breaking his stride. It doesn't say if he drew a sword or if he used like that sword ring that he has or if he just swung his hand and used passion magic. Because it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's just June, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He's an unstoppable killing machine. It's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And and then uh the guy kills himself and gets away. And it's it's weird. Like he's he's a strange villain in that it's hard to hate him. I just sort of want him dead. He's he is disappointing instead of totally hateable. No, totally. Uh he's um it, it, it you you nailed it on the head. He's he's disappointing. He's not hateable in the same way that Doris Finch is. Right. Mm-hmm. I suspect we'll get some humanizing stuff for Doris that will um, make us have some compassion for her. Yeah. We're already starting to get drops of it at the end of 202. Right. But like it, as it starts, we're like, oh my God, she's the worst. We should just let whatever, you know, world ending threat she started just like run through and kill them all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But 
this guy, he's just like, oh yeah, he sucks. Uh, kind of like, kind of like the Hellspawn, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, you just suck, but we got to put you down. Um, and then yeah, as June is is he's got him in his grip, and um, the guy is like, I've got my uh, um, my dead man switch. I've got uh, all these souls. I'll send to hell. And June just says, "That's the thing. That's a bullet I'm willing to bite." I came here mm-hmm. intending to kill you, knowing that that would probably damn half a million people to hell. Like it's just it's awesome. And then he mm-hmm. says, "So he's you like yeah, that's not going to work. So we can start with a conversation." And the second he tries to get him to converse with him, that's when he you know spasms and uh goes limp right mm-hmm. so here's what made me think that um uh this wasn't the real him grax says quote that wasn't him enabling a full ward against necromancy dropped him so okay i, I see i mean what we're so i think i see what what this could mean is that he's saying that wasn't the living body of captain blue in the bottle yes uh, because when i turned off necromancy for the room that that body fell to the ground um mm. That that's a that's a perfectly uh I think legit read of it. Um but the way I took it was like, oh, that was an actor, right? Mm-hmm. So uh because then he says, All right, we're gonna have to find the real one. And it's like, you mean that wasn't the real one? Um and so they really are just gonna go look for a horcrux. They're not looking for a person, it seems like. Yes, but like the horcrux can control any person within the EZ that it wants and can see through all their eyes and speak through any of their mouths and so forth. Oh, I know. But it's just like when they say we're going to have to go find the real captain, he doesn't say we're going to have to go find his his phylactery or his soul gem or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're making it sound like they're going to go find somebody, but they're going to go try and find an object. Yeah, yeah. All right. The object where he actually resides in, yeah. the Yeah, the real captain lives in this jar. Um, okay. I... I read it the other way, and I wonder if, if okay. I'm the only one that made that mistake. But I think that you're right, just because your way makes more sense. Um, well, I think also probably just because I've played, you know, a bunch of role-playing games that had liches with phylacteries in them. So I was kind of used to, like, how that whole sort of thing shakes out. Yeah, and I think that that's... Uh, um, oh, I was going to say liches phylactery. I don't know if that was mentioned in this story or not, but that is... I mean, that was Method of Rationality and the Horcruxes, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Basically the same thing. Yeah, but... Anyway, yeah, he just he gets away. There's nothing to do. They 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 can't just like go look for him the old fashioned way because this place is too big and he could be anywhere. So uh, mm-hmm. they'll remember this as the day they almost caught Captain Jack Sp- Captain Blue in the bottle. <laughs> but then they're gonna have an even better day to remember when they do catch him. That's right. One of these days. Yeah. So they're off to go. They're off to the aviary. You came up with why this chapter is called the aviary, and I felt so dumb. Did, oh, I didn't get it on the episode, though. I didn't guess the finches. I just guessed uh, that I knew that it was birds, right? Or did I say Doris Finch? Yeah, you said Doris Finch. Finch is a bird. There's a whole bunch of birds here. Oh, it's an aviary. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant uh, last episode, last week when you gave the, the chapter name. Yeah, that was in my notes. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that was in your notes. And like I didn't get it in two readings until after I saw your notes. And I was like, oh. Yeah, it's all good. This is what happens when you don't do puns. <laughs> uh, wordplay. But yeah. yeah, it was, uh, um, the, what's fun is like, and that's what I liked about the other chapter too. Like it did a couple like flashbacks and setup of like mm-hmm. conversations, but before you know it, they're like actually already on their way there. And then they just touch down in the, uh, necromancy exclusion zone. And mm-hmm. like basically the exact same thing happens here. They're, they're in Doris Finch's exclusion zone by like paragraph four. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. And this, I think, is it the very first sentence that's here was the problem with Doris Finch? She defected? Uh, it's a, it's a little ways in, but, um, it's, but it's close. Yeah. 
Yeah, and but also we got a drink now. All right, but yeah, she she defects with a capital D, and uh, it's just she's impossible to work with. Yeah, she would lie, cheat, and steal as a matter of habit. Sometimes even when she should have known that she would get she wouldn't get away with it, just because that's who she is. And yeah, people like that are terrible. I knew a Doris Finch, and it's literally better not to know her than to be a friend because friends are you know easier targets since you see the person more often. Yeah, some people. Like, I, it's weird. And they, they live unsustainable lives, right? Because uh, you can't run around doing this all the time without alienating everybody. And right. Eventually, like, you have no friends at all. Right. You just got to go from place to place and then annoy everyone else there until they, they delete your number, too. It's just, uh, it's a bummer. You know, that, that's yeah. the thing with, you know, Doris. You know, she sucks. But, you know, it's the same way that I can acknowledge that everyone, you know, from Voldemort up, you know, anyone who sucks is like, it's just unfortunate. You know, like, yeah, you like, don't, you don't get to choose, choose to be that way. Yeah, you don't get to choose to be an asshole. Something, you know, some some number of factors made you that way. Yeah. So it's uh, June says that uh, she defected to a degree that I would have said was absolutely inhuman. But I knew humans well enough to know that some when shown kindness or offered a good deal would stab you in the back all the same. Hmm. This is almost that like cynicism from before, but this has only turned up to nine, not to 11. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, Doris Finch is basically like 9 million Pansy Parkinson's Yeah, where Harry and Draco were talking about, uh, well, he was teaching about the prisoner's dilemma, right? Mm-hmm. And Pansy would defect on herself because she sucks <laughs> apparently. Um, yeah. and it's, it's nuts that, uh, well, I mean, we're, it's going to be a beat that we hit consistently, but I love how much this, it's not even like, it's oh, such a great quote quote. The one that maybe the exclusion happened just because she sucked so much. <laughs> the duplication thing is just coincidence. Oh yeah, um, you suck so hard, you're excluded. Forget it, you're out. You're, you're ruining yeah. the game for everybody. Uh, yeah. the, dupli- the, the duplication thing—that's just so you can have company. Forget it. Uh, mm. That would be awesome. Uh, what I love about it is that Amaryllis is like incensed. I won't say beyond reason because that's not her style, but she is uh, radically pissed. At this yeah. level of irrationality, um, it's I, I think I think it's unreasonable how upset she is. I will go that extra mile. Think about her, like her upbringing and and you know her Slytherin school, right? Like it's it's not just that she's taught that cooperation can work out. It's that she's seen people fuck up, and like it's not hard. Even if you're fully self interested, you know, making a deal and sticking to it is actually a good deal. Like, I think, I think that's where she's at. She's just like, well, and the the main thing too, and we can kind of just like demonstrate this is that, or rather Doris demonstrates this for us just by the way that her little nation is run. It's a hellhole. Yeah. Right. If this was a winning strategy, their lives wouldn't suck so bad. It's literally a post-apocalyptic Mad Max hellscape. And I love that they all look like biker chicks because that's what you look like in a Mad Max movie. And they're wearing leather because, oh, I don't know if I put this in the show notes, but they're all wearing skin leather. I knew it. Somebody somewhere in this book <laughs> would be making, uh, you know, lampshades, uh, yeah, luggage, luggage, um, whatever vests out of out of human leather. And well, sure, I thought it'd be Fen first, and then I thought it'd be basically any elf. But here it is. I'm not overly paranoid. I'm appropriately paranoid. Congratulations on calling it. <laughs> it. It feels like a hollow victory, but what do I get? So, um, yeah. All right. So they, this is a, a flashback to um, they were watching The Prestige. 
All right, yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna talk about the prestige for about five minutes. Um, skip ahead, and if we're past the prestige at that point, you know, go back in ten second increments. But do see that movie if you haven't seen it yet. It was great. Yes, massive spoilers coming in for the prestige, yeah. but it's a fantastic movie. You should watch it. Amarillo says, "Imagine this: you gain the ability to split in two. There are two of you. What's the first thing you do? Well, I shoot my other self, right? Because you're a fucking idiot." And <laughs> she just nods. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's because she. This was like day twenty three, stuck with June after three months in the time chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought that was really funny. Like, just right because you because you're a moron. Sure. Um, I also like that it shows a lot that people people relate to what is most on their mind most recently. Like she's still thinking about the Dorises, So she knows that that's a thing they do all the time and they're fucking stupid. And June is like, well, we just saw this movie and that guy did it. And it seemed pretty reasonable mm-hmm. in the moment. So I guess I do that. Yeah. And well, then she says, well, what about your real answer? Mm. Oh yeah. And he says, I guess if I found out I had a clone, we'd have sex. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I would not. I don't find myself very sexy. Uh, I'm not into dudes that look the way I look. I don't know. Would you have sex with yourself? No, I have to assume he's joking. Like, See, if I was a hot chick and I was cloned, I'd have sex with myself. But that's because I'm you know, into hot chicks or, or a, a certain type of, of dude. But I, I don't know. Maybe just June is by in a way that he's into people that look like himself. Eh, could be. Could be. Um, I want to just hit the rest of the prestige spoilers. Okay, before our time runs out, he says Wolverine knew that he could never share the one thing that he loved, which was fame. And I thought that was a stunningly good single-line analysis of the movie, or at least of that character. And I was, like, really blown away with how well he encapsulated the whole thing in so few words. Yeah, he he nailed it. I kind of feel like an idiot that it never even occurred to me why he didn't just make one copy and do the trick every night without the murder. Mm. Yeah, I've seen the movie at least three times. Mm-hmm. And it never occurred to me like, wait, why didn't he just do what Batman did? Um, it's, it's you know, yeah, he had some whatever bad association with that or something. But I think it was the awesome like shock reveal that kind of just like shone through, shined through for me rather than looking at it for, through a reasonableness lens. Mm-hmm. But all right. I always also assumed that there was a measure of self-hatred to it where he wanted to punish himself for the death of that lady and oh, so yeah. well damn the constant drowning was one way to do that i haven't seen that movie since i started watching things with reading glasses so maybe, maybe i would be able to read more into it uh, on a subsequent watch now so let's see you and i are normal people sane people even if you scale the hypothetical up i'm fairly confident that a million of you would be able to form a powerful nation i guess i mean i would be willing to work with myself and able to do so but there's also a lot of jobs that I'm not sure I would want to do. And I would prefer to bring in like non-me people as hired help. Uh, mostly I'm thinking labor in the sun because it burns and I hates it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know. Do you do you think we could have an entire nation just of ourself or yourself, I guess, a million of you? I, I'd like to think that the other me's and I could work out some nice schedule or, you know, with work and chill time. But uh, I know it wouldn't devolve into a Doris-like hellscape. You you think that you could work with yourself? I I think so. I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it, but you know, I think that we'd all work out schedules that are amenable. You know, um, I don't know how we would do every job that needs doing, but that's mainly just because I don't know how I could like learn to become an electrician slash you know wastewater manager slash uh, whatever computer engineer. But um, you could learn to do any one of those, right? 
with with many years of of practice but during those years we'd all be like all the stevens and i would be starving right oh i see like the world would have yeah, to be running to some degree while i got mm-hmm. up to speed um yeah yeah but that aside yeah I, i'd like to think that i could get along with myself yeah there's a surprisingly small amount of a divergence with the Dorises. They all seem to be able to count on each other to be basically the same as them, but they've been at this for what, like a century at least? I don't know exactly how long it's been, but we know it's been significantly more than 15 years because she stopped aging Yeah, after 15 years. So, so. It's, been, it's been ages and like, I don't know how big the place is, but I mean, fuck it. If, if one of me lived two miles away for six months, he'd be a different me, right? Yeah. I, I don't well, get I mean, how they're all the same. I I don't know. They're not necessarily all that similar because there's entire different factions that routinely go killing each other and have to trade with each other and stuff. Like, I don't think they're all that similar aside from, you know, having the same first 15 years of their life and uh, and the same genes and being able to count on always defecting against yourself. I think there's been some divergence. You're right. They had like the blue and red, whatever, tribe colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... I, so I had this prediction that there isn't somewhere an enclave of successfully cooperating Dorises that are thriving, right? Okay. The, my reasoning being that they would be discovered and the other Dorises would be like, wow, they're, they're doing really well over there because they can sleep at night, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that they would have noticed that that, that that strategy had some benefits. So yeah. I don't think there's a, currently a successful group of, of cooperating Dorises. Yeah, no, I agree because unless, you know, you start cooperating, there's maybe a dozen of you and other Dorses come along, other nine million Dorses and kill you all and take your stuff that you've managed to make over the two months of cooperating. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty lame deal. Like, I mean, you'd have to you'd have to take over the nine million Dorses with your cooperating group and you're probably gonna start small and so you'd probably get wiped out by the non cooperating Dorses. Unless you and were, like, very secretive. You'd start small with you and, I guess, whatever copies you made of yourself that had already pre-committed to being, you know, cool towards each other, but mm-hmm. with a disposition to backstab yourself already, right? Mm-hmm. They, they talk about that. I think it's in the next chapter, but it's like, Amaryllis is like, you could decide right now to knock this shit off, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, so. Um, okay. Uh, uh, they do talk about, like... Um, you know, he June thinks. I guess with this whole city of me, we wouldn't need uh, any police or anything. And I'm also just like, eh, you know, maybe some of you would fall into usual traps, and police would be necessary. Which just reminded,ly immediately of the uh, awesome Rick and Morty episode with uh, the, hmm. the that was the combination of various other movies that they had homages to. But one of them was like a Training Day type movie where he's the, the Morty's just thinking, yeah, same old story. Morty's killing Mortys. June's killing Junes. <laughs> but yeah also the jaded vibe yeah yeah it was great but i think that a nation of just me's would be far more likely to work if i was totally gay and especially for myself because otherwise then we're like fighting over women again that's assuming anyone any women want to enter your exclusion zone right uh i mean i was assuming they wouldn't want to enter well so then you're you're not fighting you're fighting over a resource that doesn't exist Oh, oh oh i see yes yes okay yeah, but then we're, I guess then we're just back to living like I live already, trying to <laughs> impress women. <laughs> so so like no difference there. Knocking on the edges of your exclusion zone, trying to like, be like, look at yeah. how attractive we are in here. Things right? are look great. Look at this cool shit we invented. Yeah. Don't you want to join us in this awesome city of plenty? 
right behind the wall like you're just like rapid cloning yourselves and shooting yourselves in the face for food. (laughs) (laughs) Shh, we don't tell them that part. Right, of course not. Yeah. You know how we were talking about the Hellions and how they're basically a perfect custom-made race for just making Hell's inevitably complete shit suffering um, things like the natural laws have set down such an incentive structure that it's impossible for the hells not to be hellish because of how the hellions themselves work on a biological level uh we i think we got the same thing going on here with the dorises because uh, a clone gets made and the clone stays around forever but everything that the clone had her clothes all the, all the gear she was carrying whatever that disappears after 24 hours uh, but then, um, if the clone with just one hour left duplicates themselves, then on the new clone, the clock is reset. Um, so the only way you can have stuff really is to just keep making a clone, kill it and take their stuff. And I almost feel like this isn't Doris Finch's fault that like she was set up by the laws of, of this magic or possibly just the DM because it's. It's the obvious only way to like make the situation work is to have this this kill and loot solution. And uh, really, the the best way to do it was just have one of the, the doors to somehow figure out a way to pre-commit to randomly killing one of herself as soon as she clones. I'm really glad that you caught it from that perspective because um, you're right. Like this is the recipe. It's specifically the fact that the timer resets if you clone again. So now there's three of you and. In an hour, there will only be the resources of two. And mm-hmm. in 25 hours, there will be the resources of one again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it You combine that with an already disagreeable temperament. And yeah, you've got this this immediate murder spree hellscape, like you put it. You know, It's not clear to me why there aren't just like a pre-committed to number of Dorises. And they farm resources. They, you know, like the same way that humans do now, right? She just doesn't have mm-hmm. to breed. Um mm-hmm. It that seems sustainable, like that could work, right? But I mean, if I if I've got some cool stuff on me, especially like weapons or whatever, well, I can double up my my arsenal by cloning myself, killing the other person, and then selling off the stuff that's going to disappear because they don't know that it's fake, right? If you suck, that's just the way to do it. Yeah, I think the most insanely cool inventive thing that Doors did is basically finding a way to make this pre commitment when uh, the we we hear about the closets that are made like in a way that you can uh, clone and one of the clones will end up in it, but that clone can't like move or get out or anything is just immediately killed for food or its stuff or whatever. Uh, I was like that. That's basically the pre-commitment right there. And it's like horrible, I guess, but also it sounds like she solved the problem. I mean, putting solved in some serious quotes there. Um, <laughs> okay. So she has to stand next to the closet before she duplicates. No, I mean, like <laughs> they, they, they have, uh, she, she's achieved a strategy that has resulted in, you know, not starvation, but mm-hmm. you know, no one there is happy, right? No one, no one is living their best life. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a, horrific. it's a horror, horror, psychological horror movie factor or a th- generator, right? Yeah. Yeah. And do you think it's a coincidence that they talked about the um, quantum suicide thing, quantum immortality earlier, because it's kind of like what's happening right here. Well, because nothing is a coincidence, um, it, it can't be. But I didn't make the connection until just now. That's a really good point. Um, yeah. Anthropically, the doors that... Uh, in fact, this actually might be part of why 
it, well, I mean, I don't know how long she's been there. You know, it doesn't take that long to reflect on it and come to the truth. But, um, you know, if I duplicate and I kill the other me and take his stuff, well, like worked out fine for me. And yeah. guess what? It worked out fine for me every single time I did it mm-hmm. because I was never the one that got killed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always the other guy. And so <laughs> like it's, it's, it, I think it's might be easy for them to kind of put some psychological distance between uh, what they're doing and the victims. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's, that's a, uh, that's ghastly as fuck. Um, yeah. They talked about like eating raw flesh and stuff. Cause June can see through all their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it still just seems to me like she could work out like a deal with the empire be like, Hey, do you guys, do you want some, whatever fucking work done where yeah. we're not zombies where we're, we can actually consent to doing work and we, we, we can, you can bring us food or whatever it is that we want. Right. Well, I think the problem with that is that Doris Finch is the fucking worst. And as soon as she made that deal, she would like clone off a new Doris to do the work instead of her. And then that new Doris would be like, no, fuck you and try to make their own clone. And then they'd fight. And then that pirate would be like, God damn it. It's been three months. We don't have anything that we paid for. This is what it looks like when the sanity waterline is uh, at, you know, when the, the, when the reservoir is empty, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, well, it's not quite empty. That is a, it is a strategy and it's clever. You know, they've got plans. They've, they've got, mm. uh, um, whatever clever solutions to the problem, but the, the, the actual rational part where like, I forget it might've been in the sequence post. It might've been in something that it was, uh, like a talk or something with Yudkowsky, but he talks about like, you know, when people talk about like rationality and you know, the I'm going to get what I want and the super selfish thing is like, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I would, you know, if that's what you want to call rationality, then we're, we're talking past each other. But mm-hmm. like, I'm not talking about the, the, the horrible self-interested thing. I'm talking about like the one where people actually get along and everybody's happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're, they're not, uh, they're not doing rationality right to the extent that they're doing it at all. Yes. They, and speaking about like figuring out how to get things done, they, do sort of in the sense that they make a clone and throw it in a dungeon and say you get to learn new magic or i kill you <laughs> <laughs> and amazingly it ends up working a few times they self-taught steal themselves steel magic star magic bone magic and pustule magic which means like this is our first clue that the dorses must be smart as fuck actually and presumably blood magic um well, and blood magic, but that yeah, wasn't on this list out. yet. Oh, yeah, because that was from the text. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, June is the only person we've ever heard of who can learn magic from a book, and mm-hmm. the one who's teaching him star magic learned it from a handful of books, um, mm-hmm. or is derivative of the one that did. Uh, Amarillo I mean, like, puts it. Oh, go ahead. It, it, it seems to me like it would be learning that calculus existed, and then someone throwing you in a dungeon, being like, "Okay, figure out calculus, or I kill you." Like, I don't think I would be able to invent calculus even if I had to die if I didn't do it. You know, the fact that the stuff duplicates it all is really unfair. Okay. I, I, I'm kind of, it? it's, it's just driving home kind of the point that you made earlier about how this is in a, how the how this result is, oh. is inevitable. Yeah. It's just kind of sinking in for me. Like, if the stuff didn't duplicate at all, they wouldn't be incentivized to duplicate. Yeah. Right? But yeah. it's... Uh, I, I was just thinking like, oh, no, you, you, know, you get, lends Doris Sable for a few minutes. She makes a bunch of copies, dumps out all the resources, but then all that shit disappears. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that like the stuff disappears, but the person doesn't. Yeah, uh, it, I, it's not a merely broken power. It's uh, 
like a game breaking power. It's just a it's broken in that like, oh, yeah, shit, this was dumb. And this is what happens. I, I'm excluding this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you said, oh, shit, the door says must be smart. Um, Amarillo's puts it perfectly. She says, and I just imagine her kind of like, oh, she it does. It says she threw up her hands. Perfect. Um, mm-hmm. The stupidest thing about it is that she's not dumb. She couldn't be and still have this as much faculty with magic as she does. But when it comes to placing one ounce of trust into other people, even if it's herself or even absent trust, if you ask her just not fucking, just not, just not fuck over anyone. And that's where she throws up her hands and almost anyone else in their, in their, in her shoes would have done better. What I love about it is that's all one run on sentence. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. She, she's just like, she, she, why is she, she just wants to grab her, grab Doris and shake her. Like, why are you like this? Can't you see that mm-hmm. this is the dumbest fucking way to do this? Uh, and <laughs> this is, uh, Amaryllis's impatience shining through with Doris again. And I love it. Um, they were here to make a deal and you know, all we want is tracking because there are people we want to find. We'll split up. We'll do the split in installments. We'll pay you back and forth. Yada, yada. And Doris says, things have become complicated. <laughs> and Rallis, are you fucking kidding me? Just like immediately at zero patience. <laughs> yeah. Complicated in a way that means you can't take payment for services rendered. <laughs> it's that picture of Fry. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, apparently they have a problem. And hey, wouldn't you know it? We've got. We need a, we need a, we need a hero to come in and fix our problem first. Then we can do whatever stuff you wanted us to do. Yeah, seems almost like it was set up to be a quest or something. Hmm. Uh, but one of the one of the things that the group wants as a down payment is telling uh, finding out where Uther is. And Doris says, "Oh yeah, he's in the Fell Seed. Easy. Uh, people have asked me this before. Halfway down the dimensional tube, we can give you the location once you're finished with your work." Uh, and Grax says, uh, "Your detection is probabilistic. It was faint because you only detected those times he lost or removed the entad. So apparently, Doris's can like, tr- I don't know, like track through the multiverse all the various different." ways that something could happen and then probabilistically determine like which are more likely than others i guess it's really cool and uh doris says maybe and raven says that would imply that he's not dead and doris nods and says it would and i'm all hyped up now because means uther ain't fucking dead this is another thing where i felt schlossed by these chapters because like i've never once thought that uther was dead like yeah, once I he mean, came into the story, I'm like, oh, okay, he's alive somewhere, or he's imprisoned somewhere, or he's you know, um, in stasis. But that was my thought as soon as we learned that he's here, you know, like in chapter five or whatever. And then he talks to the DM, and the DM says, "Yeah, he's here," and not yeah, like yeah. not a version of him made from your memories, but like actually him. Um, of course, him after thirty years of being here or whatever. Yeah, and, but they, every time they get more confirming evidence, they get like. Oh my God, he's alive! And it's like, but we 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 know we know this. <laughs> well, okay, fine, you're right. I I just like that we keep confirming that he's not dead because everyone else in the world keeps thinking that he's dead, and so that like always kind of influences me. But yeah, no, no, you're right. We, no, we've totally. known the whole time. Well, but but Raven also is like, you know, that would imply he's not dead. And it's like, what do you mean, Raven? You're surprised? I guess maybe she might still be coming to terms with the fact that June talked to the creator of the universe. Or maybe yeah, she thought she the DM with, was lying. And she hasn't been with the group nearly as long. Yeah. So yeah, maybe she's like, yeah, the DM's probably full of shit or whatever. She she wasn't buying it. There's two more quick things about this. Well, I don't know how quick they'll be. Um, Grax says, your detection is probabilistic. It was faint because you only detected the times he lost or removed the end tad. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you're talking about, like multiverse stuff, right? 
Yeah, that so, like, in the vast majority of universes, he's still got it on. But in some of them, like it came off or something happened. And uh, that's why a few times they can detect a weak faint signal. And that would explain why when Larkspur was hunting Amaryllis, he was only like pretty sure where she'd be. Yeah. Okay. Well, that helps. Um, the other thing too is that her detection power is known, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, rather, um, it is knowledge. It is knowledge to some, including people of Larkspur's rank, that she can do this. Not necessarily how, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that means that the Empire and Uniquities knows. In fact, Uniquities totally knows because they've they've already made deals with her before. Yeah. Um. It, so it just seems like the way that she's like, oh yeah, Uther's alive. He's in the Fels EDZ. Like it. Th- this should be just in the books about you know the Lost King. Yes, we we've known for ages. He's in the Felsid Exclusion Zone. We just don't know how to get to him. Well, Not- I mean, I think Uniquities knows that, and maybe a couple other people that have asked uh, Doris because, like, she just knew it off the top of her head. But I think it's hidden knowledge because, like, not even Raven knew this. Oh, I know that is. I know that it is hidden knowledge. I just don't get why. I well, I mean, I understand why Anglican would want to keep it hidden because if Uther comes back, then their entire government hmm. loses a large part of its legitimacy since you know it's ruling in his stead as while he's gone. But uh. And Uniquities is part of Anglican too, right? Oh no, that's part of the Empire, not Anglican directly. They've got but... their own mysterious goals, though, and yeah, presumably yeah. throwing Anglican's political structure into uh, into a wood chipper would not work well for their goals, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. Well, that that explains that. This is this this is fun. And what it is you know up until this point, we were only pretty sure he was there. Like narratively, it made sense after after a while that like okay, he's got to be there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's what Raven tracked him to. Felseed has been, been has been built up for. Would you look at that? Two hundred and two chapters. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we knew something was going down there, but like this is just tossed out as a yeah, no, he's there, and so it is kind of fun to get that kind of like nonchalant confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I guess the uh, um, the Dorises released some blood monster magic thing when they breached gates that should not have been breached. Um, they like star magic a portal into the blood dimension or not dimension um plane yeah and dimension plane same thing yeah and made a right mess of it you know yes so they want june to fix it and before they'll tell him where captain bb is in exchange he'll get a crash course in star magic uh to help get him started and i think it's just part of the deal so yes so he becomes their star pupil i loved that i thought that was a lot of fun i think i may have guessed Early on, although, I mean, it's hard you to did. guess. In my notes, sure, I said, oh, maybe one of them will teach him star magic. But No, last episode, at the end of it, you said maybe he becomes a star mage or something. Oh, nice. Oh, good. Well, then, good for me. Um, yeah, I know that when I was reading 201, I put in there, like, oh, maybe one of the ones that knows star magic will teach him. But at that point, since I knew the name of the next chapter, it was kind of foregone. Uh, but the... Um, I forget where I was going with this. Other than... Well, I, was, I know I was going, I was going, going to chapter 202, so... Okay. Um, Two yeah. two has Amaryllis again um, <laughs> hating on the Dorises and hating them so much. She's like "fuck them to death" uh, is the words used when she's uh, saying we should just let the blood monster or whatever the fuck is happening over there kill all of them. I I didn't. Do you remember that scene from Game of Thrones where there's like this thug and he's abusing Hodor and uh, he says something like, "If I was his size, I'd have taken over the underworld in six months." Like that guy's an asshole and Hodor. Sure, if you were his size, maybe you could do that. But Hodor is a different person than you. And also, you know, he's really dumb. Like, th- this felt to me like Amaryllis was being that abusive mean thug. That, like, she 
just hates someone because if she had their abilities, then she would have done better things than them. And much like Raven, I don't like this. It makes Amaryllis less likable for me. Um, I I feel where you're coming from. I think that the Amaryllis sees uh, not not even inadequate rationality, but she sees um, deliberate not well, I guess not deliberate. What am I trying to say here? She sees blatant uh, disregard for the optimal path and mm-hmm. done in such a way where like, it's not even like an honest mistake anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you guys are just not, it's not even that she's defecting. It's that she's, she's doing everything wrong. And it's like, you're not even serving your own fucking interests. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think she, this is like, this is her berserk button. Uh, you know, uh, I, I agree with you. I just, I, I think slightly less of her that she has that berserk button about someone being that far from optimal. Eh. I mean, she's so great <laughs> like, at everything whatever. else, and Doris does suck. Um, yeah, yeah. And when they do find a way to, like, fix her, Amaryllis... Actually, I was going to say Amaryllis will totally be on board, but she starts proposing solutions. The second that they get a Doris who's willing to talk about, you know, willing to talk sense, she's super into it, right? That's true. She doesn't yeah. She doesn't shoot her in the back of the head. Uh, yeah so it's it's more just like okay if they're all gonna be like this they're just the worst and i they they, their existence makes me mad Um, (laughs) but if she can help them she's she's willing to dedicate time to do it so um all right as as june puts it oh no uh um grack says that uh he likes uh amaryllis when she's angry that it has a kind of charm Mm. and because it's so rare i think that's the charm for me like Mm. she's seldom mad and when she is it's always like cutting and um severe you know Mm -hmm. like when she learned what bethel did to june she's like okay immediate overwhelming response um Mm -hmm. like it it's it's awesome uh especially when she's on your side Uh, yeah yeah and i I did like june's reply he says on the plus side the person she's hurting most is herself so the primary victim kind of deserves it (laughs) yeah I, I wanted to pull this out too. Uh, I, well, I guess I did. I, I pulled out the quote that imagine being so shitty that you would ambush and kill 30 of your clones so that you could gain four selves who are also four slaves who are also your clones. And I, I like, I'm, I'm with June on this because it's, she's her primary victim is herself. Like, so, so what? I mean, the clones are just clones of you. So you aren't killing other people. And, and at best you're hurting yourself. And like, Okay, so part of the way I think about this, and I hope it doesn't make me sound too much like a sociopath or whatever, but like lives are insanely, human lives are insanely valuable, uh, not just because every human is unique and special and should be respected, although that is also the case. I'm waiting but, for the but. <laughs> no, no, there's no but. Um, um, in addition to that, they are also incredibly valuable because of how much fucking investment of energy and time and resources it takes to raise a human up into becoming like, you know, a a, a person who is productive and good. And like killing a person is like destroying 30 years or a 30 year old person anyways, like destroying 30 years of mu- fucking massive investments and lots of relationships that other people have and networks that have been built with these people with this person in it are going to be weekend. And like every single death is like that. It's a huge incalculable loss. And like if 30 
Dorses are killed. <laughs> There's this old saying, you know, 30 Dorses were killed and nothing of value was lost. <laughs> Except it's not about Dorses sometimes. Um, but but it's the same kind of thing. Like, sure, she's a, she's a shit person. But more than that, like, you can just get another one of her immediately that has all that same investment um, in it. So their lives are kind of, like, really cheap, I guess. It's, it's not that big a deal. There's no networks... Uh, uh, no social networks that have her as a important part of them because she's such a shit person. Nobody likes her, not even other hers. Like Amaryllis just seems to really hate her for having a shit personality. And I don't think that's enough reason to fuck someone to death. Like if she goes and ambushes herself and kills herself so she can enslave herself, big fucking deal. I, I guess I don't know exactly, you know, I clone myself and my clone has been alive for 60 seconds. Um, I still feel like that person matters as much as I matter. They have the same investment that went into making them. Granted, I made them in the sap with a sap of my fingers, but they still have thirty years. It's not like so much of the the resources that went into them. It's it's mm-hmm. the the it's the the aggregate sum of their experience, their personality, um, their thirty years of human, right? I'm for a normal person, yeah. But like, if you snap your fingers and clone someone, I disagree because like you would you would. Use the Star Trek teleporter, right? Yeah, and I would think that the me that came out the other side mattered. Yes, but part of the Star Trek teleporter is that the you uh, on the originating side is destroyed. So obviously you can't think the originating side is as valuable because you destroyed him to to get teleported. That That's a consenting thing between me and myself, right? Uh, and doesn't Doris consent to killing herself and eating herself when she duplicates next to a closet? Uh, I mean... The one who gets eaten doesn't. Um, she did just before she cloned herself. She, she, she agreed to flip a eaten. coin, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But the I think in this part of what you know, Bugs Amaryllis is like, you're going to kill thirty clones so you can gain four slaves who are also your clones. Like, mm-hmm. what I wouldn't do if it took to teleport to Mars was make thirty of me, uh, mm-hmm. kill th- kill all of them. And well, I guess make 34 of me, kill 30 of them, and then enslave the other four, right? Like, that that's insane. It's, yeah, still, it's still a person part, who's suffering. The enslaving part really sucks. I would not enslave myself either because I wouldn't want to be a slave. But, like, if I wanted to teleport to 20 from Earth to Mars and then 20, teleport to 28 different locations on Mars, that involves killing 29 other me's to do it. And I'm totally okay with that because – just because I am. Like, they they – they don't really have any value at the point of duplication. At I think at the instant of duplication, like yeah. if, if if there was a, a teleporter mishap and you you jumped into the teleporter, you're like, all right, take me to Mars. And you get the little green light on the thing that says, Congratulations, you're on Mars, but oh whoops, we didn't destroy this copy. Mm-hmm. I think it would be wrong to take a gun out and shoot that person, right? I think the best thing you could do is immediately terminate one of them as quickly as possible because <laughs> with every second of divergence, the, the they start accruing their own individual value and you don't want to like it, – it's okay to kill someone who's a few seconds old, right? But it's not necessarily okay to kill someone who's like a year old. So lock that shit down before they start having new experiences. I, I don't think that they're a few seconds old. I think they're as old as you were when you jumped in the teleporter, right? Um, eh, I know what you mean. Well. They, they've They've been – on the timeline for a second, but yeah. they have the same, they have all the parts of age that matter. Um, I, the only difference between the two people is a few seconds of experience. So in that respect, you're only killing a few seconds of value, which is not a big deal. 
Huh. That's, I understand the framing. Um, I'll have to give that some thought. Like currently I would say, okay, well, this was a mistake. Uh, we're going to, you know, obviously you get to, we're not going to shoot you in the face because that's not how we roll, but you make a good point that, or you make a, a point that I understand that I need to put on the back burner and contemplate. So, well, I mean, what about light speed delays? Isn't it like a number of minutes between earth and Mars in terms of light speed? I think it's like, like 90 seconds. Yeah. The, yeah. What if the, the teleporter can't get around that? And so there's, you know, some sort of always some sort of light speed delay lag between the cloning. So for some number of seconds, there will be two of you. Does that mean you would never teleport because of that? Um, Man, I don't know if this is just getting too esoteric or if my brain is still more tired than I thought, but I'm having difficulty imagining this. So yeah, I think, and then I was hung up because I think it's actually 45 seconds, depending on where we are in the orbit, but a 90 second round trip to send a message to slash from Mars, right? Okay, um, yeah. But in any case... Uh, like Steven received okay to terminate original Steven now? Right. Would it make a difference if you were conscious? Obviously, that would make a huge difference because then there's technically zero seconds of experience yeah and you're not losing anything at all i think that the way to do it would be like the way the show works where i'm disassembled right i'm Mm -hmm. turned into a beam of energy Mm -hmm. and then for the minute ish that it takes to take me to mars and assemble me i just don't exist Mm -hmm. and then i exist again right yeah um i feel like that's the the most ethically ethically clean way of doing it um i i think that if I mean, the thing is, the, the, what I keep coming back to is that if I was there and I was conscious, you know, if I, if I wasn't unconscious for the for the transport or whatever, like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be shot. I wouldn't care how many, how many of me there were. If you were to put me out of my, if you were to eliminate me, you'd still be killing somebody who doesn't want to be killed. Oh, I agree. My instincts would be like, oh, God, no, don't kill me. But also, I realized that for the good of all humanity, the best possible course of action is, oh, my God, terminate the duplicate immediately. As long as it hasn't been, you know, very long. It doesn't seem like like a world-ending threat to have two of you. How many, you know, because obviously it's not a world-ending threat, but it might be a personality um, shattering event. Because let's say you duplicate, all of a sudden you don't have a wife. Uh, And you don't have a house. And you had those things, and now you don't. You might be very strongly tempted to go back and kill your original self and take his place because you fucking love your wife <laughs> and you worked for that house. The the, the only uh, the only fair outcome here is obviously trial by combat between the two of us. <laughs> so right. one of us can can limp back, limb li- you know, missing a limb to our uh, home and marriage, right? Yeah. Uh, so this movie is old enough that it's okay to spoil it because it's the entire plot. Um, and it was twenty years ago ish. The sixth day with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm, yeah which during the plague years my wife and i were, were watching a lot of the arnold movies because she hadn't seen a lot of them and it occurred to me it was called that because on the sixth day god made man right yeah um the so it's a cloning movie it takes place in the quote not too distant future it delightfully gets a lot of things right which i thought was oh, yeah. a lot of fun um like uh um touch interface talking mirrors with like a you know the weather display on them and stuff um mm-hmm. touch screen everything's um mm-hmm. but anyway so he's accidentally cloned that's the premise of the movie and i'm sure it was in the trailer when it came out 20 years ago um the the solution of well which of us gets our life like that that is a hard problem to solve and yeah. you put a fine point on it when you're like yes but steven which of you uh you know goes like say 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 my wife and i both get the teleporter we're gonna start a new life on mars 
one Steven is trapped on Earth, like, do I want to go to Mars too now to catch up with that? Or I'm like, well, fuck it. Okay, this is a mistake. I get it. I'm going to go. I guess that life was a wash. I'm going to go start from <laughs> scratch. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a tough call. Maybe you give them the opportunity to decide for themselves, but no one would decide to. What they decide to do is say, okay, yep, no, that'll be fine. And then they'd go kill their clone, right? Yeah. Um, man, we'd all just Doris immediately. Okay, I'm <laughs> I'm pre-committing to myself now to not kill myself if I'm accidentally cloned. <laughs> it's it's good that you have that. But I mean, yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm thinking of course Doris just got fucked by the DM from the start. I'm really glad we we sit on that for as long as we did, because it that's how long it took to drive it home for me, and I that was a really cool um realization. Oh, cool. Yeah, that that was okay. I'm that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Alrighty, shall we continue? <laughs> yeah, let's let's do it. Um, Dora says she's a survivor. She survived because she was willing to kill, uh, which I think, you know, it's the vicious door cycle. I'm not sure if it's a commentary on poverty or on low trust culture or what exactly. Everything is a clue slash commentary slash metaphor, and <laughs> nothing is a coincidence. Uh, Maybe the case. It's also not a coincidence that Thanos says I'm a survivor in Infinity War. Oh. So uh, clearly, ah. Doris is the bad guy. Or Thanos is the good guy. It's hard to say. Um, now uh, now I want to counter with movies where the survivor was the good guy, but it's not coming to mind right off the top of my head. Uh, I'm sure there's right. lots, though. Heroes always die, right? Um, well, not necessarily. I, I figure any movie that's about the Holocaust would be about being a survivor, assuming oh, it's about point. someone who survived the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, but... Um, yeah, my, my brain's too fried. I can't think of movies. I know. That's the problem. I know there's tons of them. Pretty much most action movies, I'm assuming, are. Yeah, I, mean, of, I, I just mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. He never dies. Well, he dies in like two of them, right? Yeah. Um, but he's he's the badass survivor in all of them. In fact, that's part of what makes him fucking epic. I'm just trying you to know. think of one where someone is a hero because he survived and was willing to kill and paid a price, but he survived. And that's the you know glorious thing about it, regardless of the price he had to pay. The Running Man, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was such a hokey movie, though. It was. I want to say, I want to say, Altered Carbon, but that wasn't a movie; it was a book and a TV series. I yeah, never finished enough. watching the TV series. A story too much. It was a story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, uh, going on on forward. Um, so uh, they, the, as you said, they're with the the one of this Doris, and she seems actually pretty decent. Uh, but she's also saying that she literally would stab anyone in the back if they offered a helping hand. And then uh, she tries to get a helping hand, and Amaral says she was literally just talking about how she would stab someone in the back if they offered a helping hand. She has every incentive to get us to reach out to her with that helping hand. Uh, and then Raven pops in with, "Did you learn nothing from Anglican?" And Amaryllis goes silent and thinks about it for a moment and then says, you think this is undue criticism. And I sat on this for a while. And undue I came cynicism. Up what did I say? Uh, criticism. Oh, sorry. I meant Actually, cynicism. they both yes, work. Uh, but cynicism is the only one that works for what I'm getting at. Oh, fair enough. Uh, d- do you mind if I just talk for a little bit? No, please. Okay. So. Remember back, way back in the Mumrath chapters, after they've killed Mumrath and they're running around after Harold, and uh, June is presented with like a moral dilemma or moral lesson or something uh, when they're confronted with the the final uh, Harold and the guy helping him. And the problem is that like he didn't get the lesson. He was like, "What what was the deal here? It was such an easy choice for me. There there was no dilemma. There was no conflict." Uh, 
And it was like, oh, <laughs> in my notes, I said, like the old to be or not to be joke. And <laughs> you need to have this joke explained. So I, I will quickly explain it. The joke is um, th- this guy who is just an average guy becomes super, very smart. And he's like, oh, wow. Now that I've been made smart by this new technology, all of life mystery seems so easy to me. Like to be or not to be. It's so simple. To be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's Which is like yeah, right. Uh, obviously, to be that 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 that's not that hard of a question. So that for almost everybody, and June was having the same situation. Where he's like, this, this wasn't a hard question. This was not a dilemma. Obviously, to be. Uh, but it turned out we learned in that chapter that it was actually a lesson for Amaryllis. That uh, it was aimed at Amaryllis. She had always been like very cold, and I mean, even right up to just this chapter, she's always been pretty cold and cynical and calculating. And in Anglican, she completely failed to model Hyacinth correctly because she thought that everyone is as cold and calculating and cynical as she is. And so she couldn't even entertain the idea that maybe Hyacinth was motivated by love or caring. And it cost Amaryllis dearly to have failed like that. Uh, they, They were talking about it near the end of that book about like, there were other options. We didn't have to kill everybody and have uh, the cannibal unleashed on us and all this. Like we could have come to another solution and it sucks that we didn't find it. I want to just toss this out and then I'll actually just drop it because I don't want to get digressed on it. But hmm. if they had gone along with what Hyacinth wanted, what they would have ended up with was Amaryllis with half her shit, uh, sterilized and um, some other ridiculous concession, right? Like, well, I think they they got it down to um, she gets ten percent of her shit, and the sterilization was easily reversible for them. Yeah, didn't when they agreed to the ten percent, uh, Hyacinth already wasn't happy with that. Oh, because her abduction went poorly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess that you know, even if she'd modeled her correctly, I think she would have just felt more bad about it. But they might have had to do the, what they did anyway, right? Maybe. And I bring that up. Actually, it sounds like I did that on purpose because this ties into your next. This might tie into your next point here. Yeah, I think that maybe that's also why Captain Blue is here, because he's showing Amaryllis like what the failed end state of her constant cynicism is, and uh, that that she's going to end up like him, just thinking everyone is that bad. And she did literally agree with him and think that there were other nations and organizations that had secret business dealings with him, and it turned out she was the first and so far still only. Uh, and And I think maybe Doris is like a test of whether... Amaryllis learned anything from the whole Anglican uh, cycle, which brings me to think that we keep talking about how Arab is therapy for June, but like, what if he's not the only one? Like, my galaxy brain thing is, what if Arab is also therapy for Amaryllis as well? And like, the friendly god AI of the future saw these two fucked up humans and realized that they could like help each other and heal each other in this combined Arab adventure. And so, like, when the stuff doesn't jive, it's for her, and a lot of the stuff is com- kind of combined for both of them, and like they they're both PCs in in the game being uh, brought through this, even though June's the only one with the game layer. Grack too. Um, That's true. Grack yeah, he, too. With- he overcame a lot and grew. It's unclear who yeah, Bethel would Grack be like in his. real life, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know what trauma the dough is packing, right? But. <laughs> <laughs> It might be some alien species. Right. But no, I like that. And uh, you make a really good point about, um, and I I think it's because I didn't believe uh, the Captain Blue, who I thought to be the imposter, about no way you're the first person to come here to do business. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I'm still 
on the fence about that. But if we take his word for it, which it, you know, it's plausible, um, mm-hmm. then you're right. That means that Amaryllis modeled the rest of the world so poorly that she thought this was like, you know, that he had meeting, he took meetings like this all the time. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the fact is like he met with them uh, and took everything so nonchalantly that it didn't seem like this was blowing his fucking mind. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's part of why I, I don't know if I bought that his, you know, I don't, I'm, you think I've never, you think people are making business deals with me? Blah. Like he it, did keep thinking that they were there to kill him. Well, and, and he happened to be right, but then why would he invite <laughs> them in? Right. Cause he knew he was unkillable and he's like, this is the weirdest fucking, they want to do business with me. This isn't interesting. Maybe my life can be something and they can't kill me anyway. So let's see what happens. You're right. Maybe there's a 1% chance that this works out. And otherwise I've been bored for a while. Let's kill some people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, I can see that. But you're right. If if her level of like assuming, uh, if her assumption of the baseline person in Arab is the same as, as Captain Blues, then yeah, she's got some growing to do. Yeah. So that, that's a really good, uh, really good catch. And I'll point out again here, if we're looking at DMPC, this is Raven who prompts Amaryllis. Oh, you know, ho, ho. Did, you, did you learn nothing from Anglican? Like <gasps> She's the therapy facilitator. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't want to say DMPC. I want to say therapist, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Val almost could have been the therapist if she, you know, was with the group. Oh, that's a good point. And didn't Raven start taking a, you know, more center stage right as Val left with Bethel? Yes, but I think I was just thinking the same thing. But I also wonder if that's just because we now have fewer characters to share camera time with. Um, yeah, that's true. But it also makes sense. Hey, we needed someone to fill the therapy shoes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's fun. It is fun. All righty. Uh, well, they are um, interacting with this um, with this Doris a bit and learning new things about her. And June asks, what do you think it would take to turn this EZ into a functional nation? And Star Doris, after some thoughts, says, absolute enforcement, strict control from the top, strict hierarchy of function, mechanisms for compliance, rule of law. We have none of those right now. And like basically what she's saying is they need an absolute monarch, mm-hmm. <laughs> which... I swear I did not plan our Bayesian conspiracy episode, the most, the very recent one that we did on monarchy around this. I had forgotten that this was here and, and the timing is coincidental. It's just like some DM out thing out there is schlossing this into my life that everything is coming up monarchy right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, planning, you know, if you did coordinate that, you know, hats off. Cause that sounds, you know, you'd have had to line up a lot of dominoes to make that happen. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, Cornelius has, ent- has entered the chat and would just be right here <laughs> nodding, be like, see, this yeah. is this is the solution, guys. <laughs> there are some places where absolute monarchy actually would work very well, but also like <laughs> would take a lot of power. Like basically having a, a whole army with with him, or or you know, or to be Bethel. Real quick, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, Stephen and me uh, are on another podcast with another co-host called uh, The Bayesian Conspiracy, and recently we interviewed someone who is a strong proponent of absolute monarchy, and we will link that episode in the show notes. So, there. Awesome. Now, you can't be out of the loop. Exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. But first, just quick throwaway, because you mentioned that they're talking with Star Doris. Uh, June learned star magic. Yay. Um, I think the levels went up a little bit, but we just saw level one. Um, Yeah. But I just liked where the line was. She's she goes through all this stuff, and honestly, it's eh, what's the nice way of saying it's a bit dry. It's as dry as mm-hmm. it's supposed to be because she's basically teaching a math, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it says, "And there, now you know star magic, skill unlocked, star magic." 
And <laughs> he says, yep, now I know star magic. It was uh, great. Yeah. Amaryllis talks about the panopticon of surveillance. Mm-hmm. And you would need someone willing to cut off your fingers the moment you so much as gestured towards stepping out of line. Yeah. And this might be Amaryllis kind of overcorrecting, well, maybe correctly correcting, knowing how much enforcement Doris needs. You know, the average citizen does not need this much enforcement. Mm-hmm. But Doris is a shitty enough person that maybe she does. Um, mm-hmm. And I was thinking at first, like, oh, okay, yeah, Panopticon of Surveillance, we just need the crown of eyes that June's wearing, right? I don't think that it, that only extends 50 feet. But you clone a bunch of them, and, you know, you're still doing the cloning business that you're doing before, right? Um, yeah. To keep a sufficient number of these entads around. But at least then, some of you can keep an eye on each other. Um, sure, but, like, if you have a Bethel that can make herself arbitrarily large so that she takes up the entire EZ, then she has panopticon surveillance of everyone in it, and she is willing to cut off fingers the moment anyone even gestures towards stepping out of line. <laughs> like, she would make the absolute monarch that the Dorses need. She's willing to cut off fingers for much less than thinking about breaking <laughs> the law, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I uh, There has to be a cap on how big Bethel can get. Uh, otherwise, I, I just feel like she'd be excluded. I mean, like, I mean, the absurd thing is she, why not just be all of Arab, right? She'd be the best house ever if she That's was 80,000 miles big. So, um, although it would solve two birds with two problems with one stone, kill two birds with one stone. If, uh, Bethel got, made herself big enough to be the entire, uh, EZ zone, the entire Doris Finch EZ zone, and then was excluded to a size equal to the Doris Finch EZ zone. So it's now two, uh, EZs and they just work very well together. And, you know, if things get annoying, they can just solve that quest by killing all of them. Um, right. the, and you know, now Bethel can't leave the zone. So, uh, June doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Although that would make it much harder to kill Felseed. Hmm. That's a good point. Maybe she just can't get any bigger than that. Um, but yeah, I didn't think about how big she'd have to be. I, I thought of Bethel clones. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know how then, she would like that. And honestly, yeah. just throwing more clones into the mix is is not going to help get us towards a solution here, right? Honestly, I'm not sure Bethel would be able to coordinate with herself nearly well enough to pull that off. I think she'd be more like the Finches than more than like Amaryllis. Thing is, Bethel doesn't need anything. She she doesn't True. need food or water. But she is the second worst. Uh. I mean, second worst, what, person? Yeah. Eh, no, nah, she's she's pretty, we've, we've met some really bad people. Um, okay. I, I'm just thinking, like, the Dorises are fighting kind of because they have to, right? Mm-hmm. If I don't kill and eat this person, she'll kill and eat me. But right. Bethel doesn't have such concerns. She doesn't need to eat. Yeah. Hmm. Like, a lot of problems can be solved if you, if, like, you can't die of exposure, thirst, or hunger, right? Yeah, yeah. Or rather, if if those things weren't even uncomfortable, mm-hmm. then suddenly life gets a lot better for everybody. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe yeah. it could work. Yeah, it could. Um, or maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know. Again, that would also just mean duplicating more Bethels and like putting them to work, which is super not her vibe. So. Yeah. Hmm. No, it's not. She would absolutely hate that. She'd be like, you're using me as a tool again. But look at how many houses you get to be. What's better than being a house? Being 50 houses. And maybe like part of her therapy could be doing this and getting over it. I don't know. Could be. Maybe she, it could be just like a temporary solution until eventually the uh, Dorses see it's working well enough. Maybe in five, ten years, they'd be able to take over for themselves. And Bethel, maybe even less than that, a year. And then Bethel could go on her way again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Once they, once they realize that this works, I mean, then again... You just need one defector 
to start ruining the cycle, right? If there's 9 million finches working together and one defector that starts defecting like crazy, they could take out that one defector. That's a good point. Um, that reminds me, the quest specifically says he has to kill these these Doruses, right? That is what the quest says, yes. So it would be interesting if they find another resolution mm-hmm. and he gets the quest completed. It would be like the first solid evidence that the DM either A, is willing to change things on the fly um, and be like, close enough. You know, cut his stupid head off close enough. That was like a funny, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the the quest there was kill Larkspur and they did. Um, yeah. If if the problem here, the quest here wasn't fix the Doris problem, it was kill them. So I wonder if if they do solve this, if he will get any experience points for it. Granted, or I guess luckily, uh, experience points aren't his chief concern. So uh, yeah, he, he's he's okay just doing the right thing. But um, it, I guess I was just thinking about the it, it might show something about the fallibility or scope of the foreknowledge of the DM. There've been a little loosey goosey with some of the quests before. I think not just slice the stupid head off, but uh, wasn't the one for getting into um, what was the city in the center of the necro exclusion zone called? Oh, Silmar City. Silmar. Yeah, wasn't the the quest for that originally stated in a way that made it uh, that they got into it a different way than than it sounded like they were going to in the quest? It was either that or the quest gave a clue that there was another way in, and so. Like Amaryllis is there looking at the giant wall and he's like, we should try the back way. And I can't quite remember how that went down. Yeah. But, but it was still the, the thing there was like, get the city. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If they fix the doors as new gets XP, that'll be interesting. It, it yeah. would at the very least mean that the DM was deliberately misleading him by saying, kill them all. Or, um, that he's willing to say, you know what? I wanted the problem solved. He did it. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, right. you know what? I just hmm. another, another kind of meta realization when he first met the dm and he's having like that like flashback in that scene where the dm was asking him if he wanted to do this Arab thing mm-hmm. he's like of course i could fix it but i want you to fix it um then he gives him a list of quests of like here's 15 fuck-ups i need fixed right mm. yeah that's kind of funny um yeah. it didn't even occur to me that like hey i've got all these problems that i made can you can you fix those for me i'll, I'll give yeah. you uh, some xp for him you'll get stronger isn't that great You'll get numbers go up and I'll get some problems solved. <laughs> yeah. So maybe he doesn't need to kill Doris at all. Just figure, fix the problem. Yeah. Well, and Grack can ward against the duplication. You know, this sounds solvable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks for indulging I'm not me. sure if he can make a ward that big, though, the size of the entire EZ. If anyone can, it's him. That's true. All right. Uh, the last thing I have in this chapter that I pulled out is uh, June asks, is Good Samaritan a thing? Raven says it's now considered defensive, and it turns out that Samaritan was a type of orc. And I hadn't really ever thought about this before, but like now that Alexander Wales points it out, this is really offensive to Samaritans. Uh, and I guess it's a good thing there's no Samaritans around to be offended, because like, imagine if the story was about the good Jew instead. It would be super offensive. I'm really glad you spelled that out. Um, I I spent some time wondering about that, and I couldn't... I was like, okay, it's just it's another one of those... like. Um, uh, uh, what was the word from last week? Uh, janky, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's another one of those. Forget it. Um, but no, your 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 analogy is perfect. And uh, in my defense, I was reading this at the airport after spending too many days in Vegas. Um, <laughs> but the uh, yeah, it's um, it it illustrates the point perfectly. And I mean, through a nice 
you know, rose tinted view of that story. It's like, oh yeah, no, this is a person who, uh, they had a bad reputation, but look, this person didn't suck like everyone thought they did. When you <laughs> right. now, if you try to say the story now that there's really just no way around it, it'd be like, why were you guys being bigoted assholes in the first place? Yeah. Everyone from, from Sumer was the same. Get fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, I like that they, that, yeah, Alexander pulled that in here and just as a kind of throwaway thing, he probably noticed that he probably had that same gripe with this story, mm-hmm. right? The, the Good Samaritan mm-hmm. story and just found an opportunity to, put it um in in one of his works yeah helpmate is the is the word that they use it's a good word also a biblical one really yeah helpmate uh, uh god created eve to be um adam's helpmate huh well that shows that i did the same amount of uh biblical study as june did um i guess it also depends on your translation i mean i also didn't read the bible like i, I read enough <laughs> to argue with people who did so um, one of these days, well, you know, it's a long book. It's long, boring book. I probably won't read the whole thing, but, uh, anyway, you know, I, I can't read it because I'm too busy reading this and we've got three more chapters to cover next week. We do. Uh, the next three chapters, 203 through 205 are 203, where the streets run red, Ooh. 204, open veins and 205, a bloody mess. Well, these all sound like there's a theme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what you're talking about. If memory serves, there's some blood monster on the loose. So (laughs) uh, shit's getting real. The the funny thing that I think caused part of this is like, you know, you can do blood magic on your own blood. And Mm -hmm. there's 9 million Doris Finch's worth of blood if she's a blood mage. Yeah. And June's pretty powerful with just two June's worth of blood. Right. Mm -hmm. So I guess, yeah, if you start pushing into the millions you start breaking the the boundaries of what you're supposed to be able to do and you start breaking shit um well this is fun so um looking forward to it yeah this is great i'm looking forward to it as well if you are also looking forward to it you can help support us on patreon link in the show notes uh you can support alexander wales as well and buy his book awesome yeah thanks for bearing with me while i was running at half speed this week and uh thank you to alexander wales for quick think of something funny um you're, you're making normal. it so we don't feel blue. <laughs> dropped it. You, you, you can just go with your normal line. You don't have to change it up every single week. That's true. I can't be, uh, can't expect too much myself. Thank you to Alexander for making this game so we could play it. We're having a good time. Hell yeah, we are. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you all in a week. Bye-bye. See ya.